On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are mourning the death of the Maui Invitational. It has officially been moved to Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, Tate, the college basketball gods give and they take away. Last week, we got word that the season was coming back. We were all excited. Big Ten football was back. It's all happening. And then almost immediately, we get the rug pulled out from under us. And the Maui Invitational, the dream is dead. The Maui Invitational is now the Asheville Invitational. Yes, the home of the Tar Heels, which is where they wanted to play this. And again, we're very upset because we are ambassadors for the Maui Invitational. We've talked about that ad nauseum on this program. Uh There were some reports and sources that still had an inkling of hope the last time we recorded. Again, we got the official word that we are going to Asheville, North Carolina. There is no big wave Billy, Mm -hmm. but there is a new version, which is Drum Circle Bill Walton. And about Asheville, North Carolina, the Drum Circle is crazy. And Bill Walton will be in the middle of them. And as it turns out, I know nothing about Asheville, North Carolina, so I'm going to have to have you give me the breakdown of what the hell I can expect from all this. We're, we're going to get into that. Also, we're going to talk about the playoffs uh, going on. Uh, Anthony Davis hits a buzzer beater, Tate, to beat the Nuggets. Uh, any, I, it, I have a lot of thoughts. I, we'll, we'll just save it for the show. But um, because of Anthony Davis hitting the, the, the last second buzzer beater, we decided we've never actually like breaking down our – favorite buzzer beaters in college basketball history there 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 are a lot of famous ones obviously mm-hmm. boy are there a lot of famous ones lorenzo we, charles comes to mind you can you, yeah you, you, we but you and i have never put our necks out and said these are the ones that we think are best these are the ones that we stand behind so uh in in light of anthony davis's shot we were like hey why don't we do that for for ourselves why don't we use that as a jumping off point so that's what we're gonna do we're gonna draft we're gonna do a draft we're gonna do a buzzer beater draft uh on the tail end of the show so i'm excited for that I'm very excited, and it's also one of those things where there's there's so many buzzer beaters just in basketball history that we wanted to keep it, you know, we were like, maybe buzzer yeah. beaters in basketball, but then you start going back, you're like, that's impossible. So we tried to narrow the focus. Dude. It's college basketball. <laughs> I, I, I went 21st century college basketball because okay. I didn't even do the century before, but we'll figure it all out in the draft. I can't wait. We are going to get into all that, but first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical out foul. Timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Aloha and welcome. <laughs> I just wanted to say those words uh, because I'm not ever going to say them again, Tate, in 2020. It does not seem like. Aloha and welcome to the 2020 Maui Invitational from Asheville, North Carolina. You are in North Carolina. We should start with mm-hmm. this. You you went back home to North Carolina. Uh, will you address the rumors that the reason you went back home is to stop the Maui Invitational people that are setting up in Asheville and you're 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 tying yourself to a tree or something yes I I am I am I am in Asheville right now I am downtown I'm saying please don't let this happen (laughs) Harris how do we stop this uh no it's uh yes I am happy to be back in North Carolina flew back home uh, to Henderson North Carolina this week I got got a little golf in yesterday playing at Mm, Finley Uh, I know North Carolina's the home of Davis Love the Third so that was a good time and and like you said there's a lot of rumblings a lot of conversations people are excited about the Asheville Invitational um slash Maui Invitational um but we also there are a lot of question marks that are going into it but I kind of want to just mourn the Maui Invitational that was supposed to be for you and I in 2021st it's 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 tough man it's tough I don't know I I I have no words I uh I really did hold out hope the whole time I I knew there was no way it could happen but still I was just like going positive I was like doing the math and I'm reading the news out of Hawaii and like everyone in Hawaii is like everybody stay out of our state not just the Maui Invitational but literally everybody stopped Mm -hmm. coming to our state 
Mm-hmm. We don't want anybody here. And I was like, well, maybe they don't mean everyone. Maybe <laughs> maybe Tate and I are still allowed. Yeah, yeah. Um, they want the Maui brand ambassadors yeah, to come through. Yeah. And, and, and surely like- it doesn't mean us, right? Like, surely <laughs> we'll still be able to go. Uh, but then, you know, so like I was, I was just in denial. And then, and then Rostein, it's always Rostein. That's, I think that's what pisses me off. And I got to say, I'm going to call him out because he doesn't listen to the show. We all know mm-hmm. he doesn't listen to the mm-hmm. show. Uh, John called me. So he, he tweets it. And then he calls me immediately and he's like, how you doing, buddy? And I was like, John, <laughs> can you not? Can you like give me, like the body's not even cold yet. And you're calling me to, and, and he, he's just, and he starts just laughing. And I was just like, John, I'm really upset. And he just starts, and he just laughs. And that's all he did. And then he's like, all right, we'll hang in there, buddy. And hangs up. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I, I'm not sure if that was like a good call or a bad call, but I also think that Rostein, you know, like we, we reported on this program that Rostein had an, an inkling, but he didn't have the full scoop. There was not mm-hmm. a confirmed 100%, but he goes with the 50% truth, mm-hmm. puts it out to the world. And then the real, and then he spoke it into existence. So as reporters ourselves, we have to respect that. The man scooped it into reality. And now we're at the point where we Here, don't get Indiana, North Carolina, and you and I, Davidson, Chaminade, everybody together in Maui, but instead we have... Uh, you know, a Nashville experience that we've never seen before. 37 years has never been on the mainland, the Maui Invitational, yeah. and here we are. That's the biggest bummer, I think, is that Carolina and Indiana were going to be there. Our families are going to come out. Our families us. are going to be it there. Was gonna be, it was going to be a family affair. We were going to go to the luau's and, and do the whole thing. And uh, There was going to be a moment where Bill Titus okay. and Clay Frazier, our parents, were going to be talking to Archie Miller and Roy Williams and telling yeah. them what to do to we win were gonna, the Maui Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, can you imagine? Like, we would have we had microphones in our pockets that we would have pulled out mm. when, when yeah. Our, our dads are talking. They got Roy, Archie, and then our two dads, and they're just, like, sitting there with their arms crossed talking. And you and I are just, like, sticking microphones in the huddle trying to pick it up and that was coach, gonna be coach, a podcast. Yeah, yeah oh man uh but we have to move on Tate. like we have to you know we can't we can't sit here and cry over spilled milk we got to move on to, to what we have in front of us and it is the Asheville. is it still called the maui invitational is it now the Asheville invitational is the mauiville what are we calling it now but uh more importantly what can i expect because i'm going i'm still going i gotta i gotta be there i gotta uh, you know we're brand ambassadors we gotta be there um but man what what do i pack what what is the mm. vibe in Asheville? what's going mm. on do i do i still pack the hawaiian shirts give me the scoop here's the scoop so organizers right there, there are organizers that are putting this together already in Asheville. they're very excited about the experience and this is what they said Asheville's warm community and emphasis on nature is reminiscent of maui <laughs> okay all right cool Love it so far. And, and the more than 18 million in renovations and enhancement in Harris Cherokee Center, which the games will be played, has completed to make it an ideal place for a bubble. Um, we are building a bubble in Asheville. Uh, they are trying to get the hotels and, and everything set up in this situation. But Asheville is a vibrant community. There's breweries okay. everywhere. There's, there's people out and about walking around. Like I keep mentioning the drum circles. If you go to downtown, there, there are people playing drums. It's a very lively. It's a hippie. Ac- it's like a hippie. It, it's a very eclectic liberal community, right? So it's uh, a lot of North drug Carolina. rugs. A lot of people wearing the drug rug and the the yeah long yes. hair. Okay, yes, all right. there's a lot I of hemp around, you know, and things. <laughs> all right. Yeah, things like that. And uh, but it's also like I said. I mean, there's there's so many creative and uh, great people that live in Asheville that are from Asheville. Roy Williams is right outside of Asheville. That's where he's from originally. The mountains okay. in North Carolina, uh, the Blue Ridge Mountains, are obviously beautiful. Um, so, so you get the scenery, right? You you get all that, which I think Bill Walt needs nature. I think yeah, I was going to say, it sounds out. like a deadhead vibe. Like, I feel like mm. Bill Walton's going to fit right in that he could just, uh, yeah. 
there right. is a there is a hundred percent chance that we will see Bill Walton roaming around the streets, and and I know that we are supposed to be in a bubble, but that man's going to break <laughs> protocol, and uh, he's going to be everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And it does sound like Titus. Here's the real scoop. It does sound like we will have a limited amount of fans that will be oh, in really? the building uh, if everything goes according to plan. So. It might not be a, a full-on bubble, but like you said, we are Maui brand ambassadors. We are Asheville brand ambassadors, whatever they want to call this. The Asheville invitation was taken. That's a horse racing tournament that happens, so they can't call it that. But regardless, okay. you and I will be there. Uh, and I, I don't know what we should wear, but you're probably right. Tie-dye is probably the option. That, Tie-dye, yeah. That is I, the flip over. Part of me wants to just be in denial the whole time and just go full <laughs> Maui and just like mm-hmm. pretend like I'm in Maui and just wear Hawaiian shirts and try to lay by the beach. How, how are the beaches in Asheville? In- oh, the, the best, <laughs> the best. Everyone loves them. I mean, that, I think that's the fascinating part is that it could be 30 degrees and, and, and cold and possibly snowy. And just yeah. to think about the fact that these teams, you know, went from flying for Thanksgiving in Maui to this. I know. And, and the other big news is that they moved the dates back too. So like, yeah. uh, it's not Thanksgiving week, so like I, I'm probably going to come back to North Carolina, have Thanksgiving, and then just drive down. Just drive you know, over, yeah. yeah, and just have a know. full Asheville experience. Uh, we're going to make it work. College basketball is on the horizon. All the all the chatter is still that like it's a shit show. The scheduling that's all <laughs> I see is like I like we did the show. Uh, the, the last show we did, we were celebrating that they have a start date, um, but we we pointed out that they don't really have much else. And since then, they still don't seem to have much else. It's like every every blue is is this the new line of demarcation for blue bloods is that if you are trying to organize your own little bubble your blue blood is that what we're deciding because duke is doing it uh duke backs out of the battle for atlantis (laughs) and the moment the duke backs out battle for atlantis puts out a statement that's like we are in no way affiliated with what's going on in south dakota please leave us out. yeah we canceled our tournament uh south dakota is totally separate and the reason is they're like we were we are a duke tournament this year yeah we were going to give the trophy to duke if the trophy can't go to duke and we don't we we want no part of this so please (laughs) please Please keep us us. out of this (laughs) yeah yeah uh so duke's like we're gonna we're gonna organize our own little thing i see chris max on twitter like just begging people to come to louisville for his own little thing that he's trying to put together kentucky the word is in lexington they're apparently trying to form their own little thing uh so it's just basically going to be like all of these these big schools are inviting seven small schools to come get their ass kicked mm-hmm. and then that's it and then they look up and they're like oh my god we're undefeated we should be a one seed in the NCAA tournament we should be a one seed we're also undefeated <laughs> we're gonna have <laughs> <laughs> every power conference team is going to be undefeated except for the ones that go to the Maui Invitational. Cause like, it does seem like the Maui Invitational is the only thing that's still fully intact, right? Like the only mm-hmm. thing that's, uh, yeah. So, so there's that, I mean, that's exciting. Like, but I, I, I the, the rest of it, uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm hurt. I will say I'm hurt. Yeah. The rest of it is like, this is feast week. This is the time of the year when we all kind of get into gear for college basketball. We see where we are, the lay of the land, who was good, who was bad, where we are. Yeah. And Las Vegas is trying to keep create like a super bubble now. Like, yeah, uh, I saw that a hundred teams, right? Yeah. Exactly. I was like, that's called the NCAA tournament. What are you guys talking about? Um, or, you know, 300. We're losing, teams. we're losing track of what bubble means. Cause like, like yes. th- we have a Maui invitational bubble. You're saying fans might be able to come there. That is no longer – if you're letting people come in and out, it is not a bubble, right? Like, what are we I, – I, I, uh, but it's okay. Whatever. <laughs> They're not really sure. Again, if you just say bubble, as we learned in this program, if you say bubble or you say pod, people think that you're being, you know, very cautious and you're working out what the kinks will be. And I think at the end of the day, Harrah's, you know, the, the arena and the venue that we will be at, it seems like it'll be more free-flowing than most bubbles. So, it's uh, a, it's, so the, the Maui thing is taking place at a casino. 
It's at it's name. Well, it's the naming rights are the casino. Harris Casino is kind of out out in the sticks a little bit, but the, the the arena is the Harris Arena. But it's not so like it's a, not it's, in the actual it's casino. Not, it's not like a yeah. I, I'm I'm not going to be able to play blackjack with Roy. It, it, yeah, no, it's not like Orleans okay. Arena in Vegas yeah. where you can like literally walk out and go gamble, then walk back <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, at halftime you run out. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are just playing blackjack. You're like, what is this? And then Roy Williams is playing blackjack. You're like, what's going on? <laughs> Are they gonna lose to UNLV again? Kobe White's playing blackjack. You're like, what? Yeah, he's he's like, I'm hot right now, man. I'm, I'm, light, I'm <laughs> like, welcome I'm to Vegas, up, baby. Yeah, I'm lighting up Texas. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna ride this while I'm hot. Uh, I don't know. I I I think it just it, it it this is not the safe route to me. I think I think the safe route was played in Maui. I think um, player safety did not win out. I think this is pretty obviously they're trying to placate Roy and uh. Mm-hmm. And, and David, you know, like David. I have said, to ask, are, are you Carolina. upset? Are you upset that Indianapolis? Because that was the rumor. It was Indy yeah. versus Asheville. This is the the Titus and Tate showdown. Well, you think Indy just kind of let it go? They were just like, we don't want to deal with the fact. I think that, it would have you know, been. I think what they should have done is they should have played it in Indy or somewhere in Indiana and played it in a high school gym. They should have <laughs> played it like Newcastle, Indiana, and mm-hmm. and just showcase Newcastle, Indiana, or like just yeah, that's what they should have done. Or should played it in Brownsburg. Brownsburg should I should have put I should have volunteered Brownsburg. Come play in the gym that Gordon Hayward built. Well, and uh, there there a chance there's a chance that Butler may form their own bubble in Brownsburg and invite yeah. teams to come play them. Uh, that's it. Their hold on, hold on. I'm talking myself into this. This is a big brain idea. We need to have a a, a, a Indianapolis like a Butler bubble like a a rural Indiana because like yeah play it in these like small farm towns across Indiana that have massive gyms. Play it at like Washington, Indiana, home of the Zellers. They have a mm. huge gym and like. Mm. Seymour, Indiana has a huge gym. Newcastle's in the middle of nowhere. It has a huge gym. Logan Sport, Frankfurt, like all these, the, all, like the biggest gyms in Indiana are like in the middle of nowhere. Bubble it up there. Let's get some college basketball there. That would be exciting. That would um, be great. What else is going on? What, el- what else is there? I, I, I saw uh, Mike Bray said that uh, he's still playing at Howard on MLK Day. So shout out to him for that. Um, he said that that's one thing we can lock in. The rest of it, though, yeah, we don't really have much else. We just know that the Maui dream is dead. And I was just, you know, I just now got done drying my tears over that. But whatever. I mean, seriously, it's, it's a big RIP. And especially when you think about last year, as we were talking about 2020, just the, the that naivete, you know, between the two of us that we were just talking about, you know, I can't yeah. wait till next year. We're going to have both our programs here. We're going to have our families here. So we're going to pour all that out. And I still think there's That's a right. chance that we can have plus ones because based on the bubble protocol we've seen so far, we can probably have our families in the bubble. Uh, and, and make this whole thing work in Asheville. And I think at the end of the day, if you're in Asheville, North Carolina, you're going to have a good time. And, uh, and we're going to have a good time. We're going to be wearing tie-dye. Bill Walton's going to be around. It's going to be great. We're gonna, it'll, we'll make it work. Don't, have, don't let have, the haters win. I have no doubt we'll make it work. Um, all right, moving on. Do you want to talk about the playoffs? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so, <laughs> hmm, excuse me. Uh, the Lakers are now up 2-0. They play tonight. Game three is tonight. Uh, the, the Anthony Davis hits the, the buzzer beater to beat the Nuggets. Um, first of all, Mason Plumlee checks into the game as a defensive specialist. It, it, it's a defensive assignment. He was out of the game. There was two seconds left. Mike Malone says, we got to put our <laughs> defensive unit in. Let's put in Plumlee. Let's put him on Anthony Davis. Never trust a Plumlee. That's the rule. That's the and, rule. And then this man runs into a non-existent screen. He runs straight at LeBron. Point, point, points at <laughs> points at Anthony Davis to Jeremy Grant to go, hey, go get him now. Uh, while he's just holding on to LeBron, and that you know, at the end of the day, like Anthony Davis just pulls up and hits a three. That he he just hit a three, you know, at the three-minute mark right there from basically the same spot. 
hits it over Jokic. And I think lost in the shuffle of all this is the fact that Jokic, everyone says he's not athletic or he's unathletic or whatever they want to say. The fact that he covered the ground from the inbounds pass, he yeah. was like dancing and, you know, moving all around trying to block the inbounds pass. And the fact that he got over to cover Anthony Davis says a lot. But again, like you yeah, said. Yeah, he's still got a hand up and he's still uh, – one thing that's uh, – I, I honestly think, like, uh, Jokic getting the hand up, like, as the play stands, Denver didn't do that bad of a job. Like, Plumlee, yeah. it looks ridiculous when you break down the film that he ran into a screen that was non-existent. And um, even if they would have switched, like, LeBron just would have dove to the basket and dunked on him probably. But I understand the thought process, which was, like, why would I – I think in his mind, it, it was. It doesn't matter that there's not a screen. It's that Anthony, once Anthony Davis is going out to the perimeter, I'm not guarding. I'm no, no matter who's out there, I'm not guarding mm-hmm. perimeter. Mm-hmm. That's Grant's responsibility. I take underneath the basket. Um, so in that regard, like I, I felt, and then Jokic gets a hand up, and because the shot goes in, everyone's gonna, you know, nitpick mm-hmm. it and say this is horrible defense. What the hell were you doing? Uh, but it, it just reminded me, like, at watch. It wasn't. It wasn't great defense, obviously, but. It just reminded me of Ron Harper in the last dance when he's like, Craig Elo, you know, I can't believe we put Craig Elo on Jordan. I was like, Ron, mm-hmm. what were you going to do? Make him triple pump and hit the <laughs> shot? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, it was, it was fine defense. As a team, like, it was fine. De- Jokic, you had a seven-footer putting a hand in the face of a jump shooter from at the three-point line at the buzzer. Uh, but Anthony David, you know, you got to make shots, and he made the shot. Um, so, the, the Lakers, I, I had this question for you. This, this is like the big discussion point I have uh, two games into the, the Western Conference Finals. The Lakers are now six games away from winning the title that everyone knew they were going to win. The, the moment Kobe Bryant passed away, I think it was – if you thought any other team had any shot whatsoever winning the title, you haven't watched a lot of NBA basketball in your life. Um, so, th- this was – kind of preordained that the Lakers are going to win. My question to you is this, uh, as we're two games into the Western Conference Finals tape, are the Los Angeles Lakers, is this the most likable Lakers team since like the Showtime Lakers? Because I see it both ways. I, I've had people, friends in my life have made the case that the, the Lakers are very, very hateable. They say that Dwight Howard is not an easy guy to root for. They hate LeBron. Every call <laughs> that's called against the Lakers, they complain. And then other people are saying it's so cool to see how much they love each other that Alex Caruso has, you know, he had a, a, a nice dunk in the in game two and the bench is going crazy. And Anthony Davis hits the shot and yells Kobe. And like the whole, they just seem like they're having the most fun in the world. And that's very likable about them. Um, where do you fall on this? Are the Los Angeles Lakers likable? Because I, no, you go ahead. Oh, you go first. The Los Angeles Lakers are America's team. And they're yeah. America's team because they have the two best American basketball players still playing right now in the playoffs. And they are playing two international players that are probably Ooh. the two best international players in the playoffs with Jokic and Jamal Murray. And mm-hmm. if you were a fan of, like I said on the last show, if you're a fan of USA basketball, this is a pivotal moment, right? This is a, you, you stamp your foot in the ground and you stomp your foot in the ground. And you say, we are the, the powerhouse in the world. We are American basketball. And I do think, Look, the, the LeBron narratives, you know, LeBron says that he's tired of the narratives. We get the whole MVP discussion, and people obviously get all fired up about that. that well, Giannis, I mean, look at the PER. Look at all this stuff. He is, of course, he's the MVP. Of course, he's the defensive player of the year. But the narrative would be that LeBron, you know, with Anthony Davis, was able to get this Lakers team from not making the playoffs to a one mm-hmm. seed to the perennial favorite to win the championship. I think that the Kobe Bryant factored all this. The fact that he said Kobe, Anthony Davis, when he mm-hmm. hit that shot. The fact that Frank Vogel said that that was a Mamba moment after the game. I know a lot of people, there, there's people that are haters, right? We talk message of the haters. People roll their eyes at that stuff. 
But I do think that they have this common bond of we all grew up in the Kobe era. We all love and respect everything that Kobe did for the game. And we are playing for Kobe at some level. And I think, you know, usually when LeBron is going for a title, right, all we hear is this is a legacy play for LeBron. This is LeBron's Mm -hmm. legacy play. And I think right now it's not about LeBron. And I think that makes the Lakers even more likable. And it's not to say that LeBron's not likable. It's just to say that there's a higher goal. There's a higher message behind the Lakers push. And again, this is for me as someone, you know, people think I'm a LeBron hater because I'm a Jordan guy and all that sort of stuff. I mean, the Lakers are America's team, as I just said. And if they do win the title, that, I mean, we live in Los Angeles. It would be cool to see the Lakers come back. I mean, the last time that they were good, Kobe was playing on the Lakers in 2012 when they had a real shot to do anything and they lost to the Thunder. So to see that full, you know, twist back into we are a championship caliber team we just tied the celtics for all-time titles uh you know i think they get to 18 and they're tied with the celtics i mean that that's a big moment in nba basketball history and if they do it against the celtics like if they beat the celtics to tie the celtics for titles then that even that makes it even more of a of a big time show and i think if anything people want to say that this is a uh uh not a true championship and all that sort of stuff it'll be after the fact and it'll come from people that don't want to see LeBron succeed or don't want to give yeah. him credit for well, getting that fourth ring. And I think if he does that, he helps himself so much because, like I said, this is a higher goal than just LeBron saying, this is my legacy play. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I that, That's what's uh, interesting to me is that this has become uh, – the for the first time, I feel like a team that LeBron James is on that has a chance to win the title, uh, the, the aura, the – narrative the whatever else is not all like lebron james is not swallowing the room alive with his presence of like exactly all that is at stake here is lebron (laughs) which is what it's it always is like every time lebron even when he was on the heat teams it was like is lebron finally gonna get over the hump now is lebron gonna get over the hump again (laughs) now is lebron how many humps can he get over like the story is always about lebron and in in some ways it, it still is because it always will be because you know like until he wins six titles everyone's gonna say he's not Jordan. Um, but there's so much more to it than that, as you, as you just pointed out. And I just found it, I, I find it interesting because like to say the words that LeBron James is on the Los Angeles Lakers and they're not a hundred percent, like uh, neutral fans don't across the board hate that team. Yeah. They're not the fact, death they're, star. That, yeah, yeah. They're not the death star. We, yeah. we call them the Duke of the, I still stand by that. They are the Duke, of, but, but it does feel like the, uh, it feels like the Zion RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish Duke team where they're like really good, but like weirdly, you're not necessarily cheering for them, but like deep down, you kind of want them to keep playing because you enjoy watching them play. And you, yeah, it's, you it's kind of feel very, like you miss something. Yeah. Like when they lose, it's like exciting. Like with Michigan State, like you said, when they beat Zion and those guys, it was exciting that Michigan State did that. But then when you got to the next round, you're the like, final oh. four, you're like shit, you're I like, wish they were here. Yeah. 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 You're like, where's yeah. Zion? Yeah. <laughs> uh, or I mean, the 20, I felt that way about the 2015 Duke team too. Like they were, they were a ton of fun to me. Um, and they all had the baby froze. That's what I'll remember about them. Quinn Cook mm-hmm. and, and, and Jones and Nova Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow. They all like grew out baby froze together and, and they were all having like a ton of fun. And they were obviously they were one and done led team. Um, so you didn't have like the build up hatred that you usually have with the Duke team. That's kind of what I feel about the Lakers. It's like this is such a weird feeling that I, I'm not rooting for them. But if the Lakers win the title, which they're going to win the title. Uh, I'm not upset about that at all because of everything else going on. And I, I honestly don't even think it's just because Kobe died. I don't even think it's like that part of it. I think it's like you watch them enough. They just seem like they're having so much fun together. And there's something – the difference between the Clippers and the Lakers to me is like the bench antics of the Clippers was always that they were like – they were hooligans. They were talking shit to the other players. They were they were acting fool. Like they, they didn't even seem cohesive. 
mm -hmm. way they did it. It was like each individual guy was being like a, a pain in the ass on his own. And the Lakers are the Lakers are acting fools on the bench too. Like every time someone dunks it, they just like like we, yeah. we brought this point, like falling over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We brought this point up early on in the bubble when we noted that the uh, the the benches are there's so much space on the bench that you have like room to like jump around and do jumping jacks and fall over and like, like unlike usual NBA games where you can't really do much. Uh, so the Lakers have gone, they put the pedal to the metal in that regard with, with the bench antics and they're going absolutely crazy. But honestly, I feel like every time the bench is going crazy, it's always like in support of their teammate and always like, you know, and, and, and I understand if people are annoyed by it because it is, you know, it, it can kind of go a little far. But I, I'm not saying – I'm not making the case that you should love the Lakers. I'm just noting that, like, this is very strange that uh, I feel like there are a lot of neutral fans that do not hate the Lakers. And who would have saw that coming? With the who would have saw that coming? <laughs> and, and as we saw in Remember the Titans, one of my favorite lines, you know, attitude reflect leadership. And uh, yeah. I think that LeBron has um, finessed his way to a point in his career where he understands how to lead a team um, yeah. without having to be the focal point. And I think that's kudos to him. And honestly, Anthony Davis, that was like LeBron said after the game, he said that was his Laker moment. And it did feel like Anthony Davis needed some sort of staple right because that's yeah. what lakers fans want to have like i remember when i saw that and when the fact right, that right. he hit that shot the fact that you know he kind of you know came out of a shell a little bit you know he like people have been talking about he needs to be more aggressive he needs to be yeah aggressive. and he, he acknowledged that like in the post game press conference he's like you know i i that, that he gets called like, like he's not clutch i don't know if he's not clutch but that he just kind of like floats around out there and and doesn't ever put his mark on he doesn't have – you don't have Anthony Davis moments, like you said. Mm -hmm. We've been waiting for Anthony Davis moments. He's obviously good. He obviously puts up a ton of stats. Um, but we, we need those moments like that where he hits the, the buzzer beater. And it's like, oh, okay, that's uh, that's an Anthony Davis moment that they'll mm -hmm. be showing the rest of his career, that uh, he is clutch or whatever. Um, any other any other playoff thoughts? The the, the Celtics heat is going to go seven. I think, I think it's going to be a seven-game series, and I'm very excited to, to see that because – uh, Gordon Hayward is back, and he, as it turns out, he's two for seven from the field in Game Three, but he's the MVP, and he was he is he an X factor or a glue guy? I'm trying to figure out what that means for the Celtics. But Gordon Hayward comes back, he goes two for seven, and all the talk after the game from the Celtics locker room was like, "That's the difference maker right there." <laughs> he changed everything for us. And I do think there was a little bit of a, a mental edge to that. Like, regardless of what Gordon did in that game, whatever he did was going to be like the the boost that gave them uh, the the whatever juice they needed to get over the yeah. hump against this Miami Heat team. And and they were talking about how he was so you know, influential and helping beat this zone that they were, you know, this matchup zone that Miami's running and that Gordon was able to move the ball and, uh, and help them beat that zone. And I guess that's what it is, right? I guess that that's like the big, uh, the big moment for Gordon. But like you said, I think it's a seven game series. I think that it's a little bit of a chess match right now. I think that the heat played you know, a pretty good game three. I think uh, Brad Stevens and the Celtics were that whole game. They never took the foot off the gas. They, they were trying to make sure that they didn't give any sort of sliver of hope to this Heat team, yet the Heat – I mean, Duncan Robinson into that game started spraying threes. Yeah, yeah, it, the Heat are never out of it. Exactly. They cut They'll the lead. Never five, it, same yeah. with the Nuggets. And I think, uh, if anything, I, I don't think the Lakers series – I mean, I, I, I said that shot against Anthony Davis may have been – you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was five games. But yeah, I also wouldn't be shocked if the Nuggets bounce back and, and are able to make it a series because the Heat and the Nuggets, they both almost – not that they thrive when they're down, but they almost can rally together uh, unlike any other team because they're like, we're in this together. Who cares if we're down? Now we're going to make a run. You know, the, right. the, the, the monkey's off our back a little bit. Let's just go for it and see what happens. And uh, I think that 
Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder and like the, it's going to be a battle of tough guys and a battle of like energy plays and diving on the floor hustle plays whatever you want to call it between Marcus Smart and those guys and I think uh just in that series alone, we're going to have so many flip-flops of, well, this is obviously the Heat series. Well, right, now the yeah. Celtics have control. Well, this, is, be, this is <laughs> a great example. The swings are going to be crazy. I'm glad, I'm glad they took a big break because they were supposed to kind of play yesterday, supposed yeah. to in quotes, because just based on what the schedule has been. But they stopped because – or they didn't play yesterday because they're letting the Western Conference catch up or whatever. Uh, I'm glad they did that because we, 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 we made this point too that uh, – by playing every other day, there's not enough time to like let everything set and, and discuss mm-hmm. and all that kind of Marinate. stuff. Marinate. Yeah. And the Eastern Conference Finals is a series that if this was played outside of a bubble under normal circumstances, oh my God, the, the whiplash of like the Heat are definitely winning this series. And then the Celtics win a game. And now the Celtics, I don't, I just don't think the Heat have the firepower to and then this the Heat win a game, and then it's like the Heater, like th- th- this would have gone on th- all seven games. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad they have the delay because now you and I can do it because now it's like I don't know man the Celtics the Celtics might be back and, and that's what the, the the talk is now about the yeah, series. Yeah. like now that Gordon Hayward's back now that they figured out the zone Celtics and six is that what yeah, we're yeah, thinking exactly <laughs> it, it, and it immediately flipped because it went from after the 2-0 you know but you know with the heat win 2-0-2 in Boston everyone's saying well they maybe they sweep the Celtics like yeah, right, the, yeah. the Celtics need one more piece <laughs> yeah. and then immediately it flips the other side I mean my, my favorite storyline in that entire series is uh Basically, Pat Riley and Danny Ainge uh, at the top. Pat Riley, uh, you know, has said publicly to Danny Ainge through the media to basically shut the F up, um, talking about his team and things. I think that was in 2014 he said that. And they had this little budding rivalry, and they're both there in the bubble, and they're both trying to be the godfather. They're both trying to, you know, act like they are, you know, the the, the dark web of the NBA. You know, they, they make these chess moves to make things work. And I... I just find that fascinating from a culture standpoint. Obviously, we hear a lot about heat culture. Everyone wants to talk about heat culture, but the, the Celtics and the Heat at odds with each other. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. that's a good call. Danny Ainge and Pat Riley. Who has the most um, cachet? <laughs> yeah, like like who could who could like sign me to a contract tomorrow and all of nba media would be like savvy move set like the right now right now it's pat riley and that's why danny Ainge is upset but if they tie the series 2-2 then it's danny Ainge. that's a good point yeah it is pat riley because i think pat riley built his team with uh like what who's the highest i I think i looked this up is myers leonard the highest draft pick on the heat not that the heat drafted but i'm saying if even even if you include like jimmy butler and and jay crowder and like all Mm -hmm. those guys it might be Myers Leonard. He's not even playing in the series. I'd have to. I'd have to. Re- I don't remember. Actually. I can't. I, I don't but know. Basically, top yeah. Like Bam and and Tyler Hero are both what like 13, 14? Yeah, was exactly. when they were picked. Yeah. Um, basically, what I'm saying is Pat Riley has built a team of guys who aren't blue chipper. Like, in terms of NBA, they're not top five picks. They're not Jason Tatum. He hasn't built around Jason Tatum. Um, mm-hmm. and. That's interesting to me because, yeah, that, that that I think you're right. Pat Riley would have right now. He has the leg up on the like. No matter what he he can do, no wrong. No matter what he does, mm-hmm. everyone's like, man, what a savvy move. He probably sees something, and Duncan has taken that to the next level. Like by by having Duncan Robinson and and signing him and all that, it's like, oh, okay, this guy is a genius. What the Heat are doing, they're geniuses. It mm-hmm. used to be Danny Ainge when they were building. Mm-hmm. When they mm-hmm. didn't take Markel Fultz and they got Jason Tatum, and it's like, oh my God, he sees the game on a different level mm-hmm. than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. That's a great point. 
Yeah, those two guys are going to be at odds with each other for a long time. And obviously, Pat Riley coached against Danny Ainge. He said that Danny Ainge complained more than anyone he's ever played against. <laughs> um, so I do find I find it very funny, right? Because it's like it's like that generational split too, where like mm-hmm. Pat Pat's still like of the older guard than Danny is, but Danny's still a part of an old guard. So they're both trying to be the savvy veterans that tell you the deal. And then like yeah. when Danny Ainge is telling you the deal, there's like Pat Riley in the background. He's like he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so I find that great. I love it. Uh, quickly, and then we'll take a break and we're going to do our buzzer beater draft. But uh, what is your bubble breaker update? We haven't revisited this. How are your guys doing? I forget who's on your list. My, my <laughs> list, I, I, I'll, say, I'll just do mine quickly because there's not much to report. Nick Nurse screwed me with Matt Thomas. Um, yep. Me I, too. I, OG Ananobi screwed me. I think you can point to Nick Nurse's decision to keep Matt Thomas on the bench as to why the Raptors are at home right now. Uh, also, I, I heard that Mike D'Antoni did not go back to the Rockets because he reviewed the tape and he was so ashamed that he did not give Chris Clemens a shot. Mm. that he was like i i have to fall on the sword i have to mm-hmm. take the blame for this series mm-hmm. <laughs> so i basically the only the only guy i have left is bull bull who got a little run uh was it game one i think in the against mm-hmm. the lakers and uh he got a little run played okay but uh i don't i don't see bull bull being turned loose so i'm done basically my bubble breakers are done I'm yeah over. Over. i'm just gonna go ahead and <laughs> update yeah my, my, my bubble breakers are done as well i mean they had their moments og hit the shot with 0.5 that was like the yeah. highlight of the bubble breakers for me uh i think that michael porter jr bull bull and Jokic is the future greatest front line in Denver nuggets history if that is yep. the three if that is the the front line for the nuggets um that we should just take that package deal of like future uh if we're always if we're gonna be in a bubble next year like that that front line is gonna break the bubble um, but there, there's really no hope left other than Bull Bull and Michael Porter Jr. So we're going to put all of our eggs in that basket. And I, I don't know what Porter Jr. is going to do, but I do feel like he's going to have another moment in the series. Like if they go down mm-hmm. 3-0, he might, you know, have something else to say. about. Dude, what you they talk need. about having nothing to play for and, and your back's against the wall and all that kind of stuff. That's how Michael Porter Jr. plays at all times. He has no idea what the score is. He doesn't know they're down 2-0. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like I'm open shot. Yeah. 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 I'll shoot. Like, I don't care. So, yeah, Michael, I think I think we're going to ha- have some more Michael Porter Jr. moments before the series is over, whether whether the Lakers sweep or whether they end up taking it to seven. And wh- no matter what happens, I feel like we have not seen the last of Michael Porter. You're right. Um, all right, let's take a break. We're, let, let's get to the entree of the show, which is what we're most excited about. We're going to draft our favorite buzzer beaters in college basketball history after this. Quick break to talk about our good friends at, you guessed it, Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are, how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stresses of life. What does that mean, Tate? That's what people are saying. They're saying, how is that any different than all? There are a lot of fitness things out there. What, what makes Whoop special? I'll tell you what makes Whoop special. You don't, you don't need to count your steps. Not all steps are created equal. You don't need mm. to, you know, you go on a one-mile run. What does that even mean? What does that ultimately mean for me? A one-mile run to me might be different than a one-mile run to you, Tate. That's what WHOOP is for. WHOOP is personalized for you. If you are uh, – whatever you're trying to accomplish in this life with your fitness, WHOOP is there for you. WHOOP is is, is tailor-made for people individually. They, they The strain measures how – if one mile is easy for you, Whoop's going to call you out. And they're going to be like, hey, buddy, mm-hmm. maybe run mm-hmm. a few more miles. Like, you didn't actually push yourself right there. If one mile is tough for you, they're like, congratulations. You did it. One mile. You don't want step counters. You don't want nonsense like that. That's for basic bitches. This is Whoop. This is for athletes. <laughs> this, this is, is for fit. Yeah. Whoop is offering 15% off when you use the code Titus at checkout. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, and enter code Titus to save 15%. Sleep better. Recover faster. Train smarter. That's the key. Smarter. Don't just train. Train smarter with Whoop today. 
All right, Tate, as we said at the top, uh, Anthony Davis hits the buzzer beater. Uh, one of the best kind of buzzer beaters, by the way. I didn't, I didn't uh, really flesh out what made it so awesome other than that he made the shot and won the game and all that. But I love the if you miss it, you lose. If you make it, you win type shots. They're a rarity. A lot of people get excited about buzzer beater. And it was at the buzzer as well. That's the mm-hmm. other part. It was like mm-hmm. It wasn't with one and a half seconds left. It was, it was like a true – you know what I'm saying? When when like, the ball yeah. went through the net, you see the backboard turn red. You know what I mean? That that's the buzzer beater. Where like the ball's obviously out of his hands, but when it's going as the ball's falling through, it's like game over, zero point yeah. zero, and the celebration ensues. This is where amazing happens. Uh, this this is the moment in time, and like yeah. that that was what it was. With Anthony Davis. It was great. Yeah, and those are and and those in the playoffs are even rarer. Uh, so yeah, but but it wasn't like a, a a situation where if he misses it goes to overtime or anything like that, which which made it all the better. Anyway, uh, I don't need I don't need to spell this out for everyone, but it it made it so awesome. So we we decided that we wanted to uh, go through our buzzer beaters through college basketball history, mm. and f- yeah, figure out where we where we land on all these. And my God, there are so many. And and preparing for this like. I mean, you know, there's so many. That's what makes college basketball great. So many March Madness moments, all that stuff. But uh, yep. to see, like, actually, like, you start like making a list, and you're like, oh my god, there are so many of these that uh, I- I'm curious to see what your thought process is going to be as we go through this draft. So, um, do you have anything you want to say before we start? Is there any rules you want to? I-, I guess my rule is that buzzer beaters only. This is not last second shots. This is not uh, – if there's time on the clock. So, like, what immediately comes to mind for me is Ron Lewis against Xavier in 2007. Mm-hmm. Awesome shot, very clutch shot, not a buzzer beater. Not a buzzer beater. If you have time, if, if the yeah. team has time to respond and, like, OG – we'll call it the OG Ananobi. If you have .5 or more, then it doesn't count. We need to see it. We need yeah. to see it hit 0.0, and we need yep. that final – we need the celebration, right? And I will say my one caveat is it doesn't have to – I gave one uh, – Basically, there's one exemption to the rule, which is there was one game that goes to overtime that I – one, it was called live in the moment that it was a game winner, um, but it went to overtime. But I, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. I know we'll exactly which one you're talking about. No, it doesn't have to be a game winner per se. It just has to be mm-hmm. a buzzer beater, I think. Right? Exactly. Is that where exactly. we're going with? All right. That's where we're going with. All right. So uh, I will let you go first. This is, again, college basketball history, our favorite buzzer beaters. Um, we're doing a draft, so – yeah, we we can't have the same list here. You get the number one pick. I will I will defer to you. Thank you. Because I have a feeling the ones that I have at the top of my big board, you're not going to win anyway. <laughs> well, I uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. With the number one draft pick, I will say uh, this shot, and I call it the shot. It was the shot that broke my heart, and uh, it was the moment in time I was sitting in an apartment by myself in Los Angeles. I was doing a college basketball podcast at the time with Mallory Rubin. Uh, for the Bill Simmons Podcast Network and uh, 2016 for people that, uh, of course, you know, are familiar with this program. This is big of you, by the way. I, I, I was certain you were going to pick that number one. That's why I gave you the number one pick because I was like, I, I you know, he's going to take like. It is, yeah. def- it is definitively the greatest shot in history because it is a walk-off. And I think that there's a big yeah. factor to that, the fact that it can be a walk-off. And, of course, I'm talking about Chris Jenkins and I'm talking about mm-hmm. Villanova. And. I think the history for me is the reason why it's the greatest shot because when you look at Jay Wright's career, Jay Wright was like we're talking about LeBron not getting over the hump. Jay Wright was the the poster boy for that for quite some time. 2005, Kyle Lowry has an amazing game against North Carolina. They come back, they were up nine with like three minutes to go in that game, 
North Carolina ends up winning it, you know, beats Villanova, yeah. and you're kind of like, and they go to win the title. So if you're Villanova, you're like, at least we, at least we lost to the champions, right? 2009, same thing. They play Villanova. It's a pretty good game. Uh, but again, North Carolina beats them. They go to the title. 2013, North Carolina plays Villanova again in the tournament. They beat mm -hmm. them. And so as a North Carolina fan, right, you, you, you should have been third time's a charm. They're going to beat them in 2013. But you go into 2016 with a lot of confidence, right? There's, a, there's a, you know, Marcus Page, Bryce Johnson. This is the year. These guys have kind of battled through the NCAA stuff, but they're such a great team. You know, I remember before the season, Marcus Page did like the Pharrell happy dance with Roy Williams. You know, there's all this like yeah, yeah, good, I remember that good too, juju yeah. and momentum yeah. and things like that, right? But little did we know that Villanova, every day at the end of practice, had been working on end-of-game situations. Uh, they had been basically setting up for this moment somehow because Jay Wright was like, I'm going to get Roy Williams back. And Ryan Archidiacono with the perfect toss back to Chris Jenkins, running in stride, in momentum, straight on shot. Isaiah Hicks tries to close out. It doesn't work. And uh, the shot goes in. Villanova wins. And Jay Wright is a champion. Bang. Uh, we, yeah, the coolest that. That, that I think that's the coolest part, and uh, it's been talked about plenty. So I don't mean to say that it's like underrated or or on you know. It, like, it is in the national title it. game. I, I feel like people don't even realize, yeah. like Christian Leitner shot. People talk about it all the time, but that was in the Elite Eight. Like this is in the national championship national game. title after, game. The stakes after Marcus Page just hit the craziest double pump yeah. three that you've ever seen that should never have gone in, and I think that uh, that makes the only fun. thing keeping it from being untoppable is that if if Jenkins misses, it goes to overtime. And Villanova could still win the title. Like that is it wasn't true. it wasn't like you had to make the shot to win the title. There's still a chance Villanova could have still won even if he missed. Mm -hmm. Um so that that like leaves the door slightly open that it could someday be topped. That someone could do like an Anthony Davis where if you miss you lose the national championship, if you make it you win. Uh but still, it, it, it's hard to imagine a, a scenario where this is ever going to be topped. And, and Chris Jenkins knows it. That's the other thing I love about it is like Chris Jenkins just has like a whole air about him that he's just like I hit the greatest shot ever. And Chris Jenkins' brother is on, you know, yeah, <laughs> North Carolina. And he worked out with North Carolina the whole summer leading up to the 2017 title. Basically, it was the momentum for them to win the 2017 yeah. title. That's why I think I've gotten over it because, like, Chris Jenkins hits that shot, but immediately he becomes, like, a Carolina if, basketball fan the next year. So, I, If uh, Chris Jenkins does not hit that shot, North Carolina does not win the 2017 title. Absolutely, yes, 100%. Yeah. So you have to have the shot to have the 2017 title. In the same way that North Carolina doesn't win in 1982 without losing to Isaiah and Bobby Knight in mm. 1981. There you go. Yeah. There, there, there's some, yeah, there's some, uh, some parallels there. Uh, all right, that, that's a good for. I can't believe you did it. That, that's very big of you to, to do <laughs> that. You. I, I was uh, not. I know it. I know what your to, number one pick is going to be, and I'm not yeah. ready for it. Yeah, you're not ready for it. <laughs> so I had, I had on my big board. I had Jenkins number one, obviously, because okay. it's, yep. it's the bet. And I was like, you're not going to pick that one. I also. I didn't think you were going to pick number two, which is later. Of oh, course wow. it's later. Oh, you didn't, you didn't think I was going to pick that? No, I, I thought it was going to be another Duke moment, but I'm, I'm actually very glad that you didn't pick that one. Uh, so I thought I was good. I thought my, my top two picks were going to be fine because it has to be Leitner because uh, Leitner's shot was, uh, for, for those who don't remember, it was a situation where if it doesn't go in, Duke loses. Uh, it came in overtime. It came in, as you said, the Elite Eight, not quite the national championship, but there's still stakes, Tate. This, isn't, this wasn't the first round. This wasn't like – the ACC tournament semifinals. This was mm -hmm. this was real stakes against Kentucky. Um, it's a shot that it, it is – I still think it's the most famous shot in college basketball history, even though Jenkins was better. I think, like, in 1992 at the time, more people were, like, locked in. College basketball was, like, more – what, in the, in the zeitgeist? Is that how we would say it? Like, <laughs> uh, 
in the monoculture. Yeah, it was too. It was too like real blue bloods, not like fake blue bloods, like Villanova in North Carolina. Like these are like the actual blue bloods of college mm-hmm. basketball. Duke and Kentucky. <laughs> uh, Duke had won the title the year before. We had not seen a repeat champion since I think like 1973, the, the John Wooden UCLA team. So Duke was trying to repeat. Kentucky was up. Leitner, everybody hated him because of he was Christian Leitner, and then he uh, he stomped on was it Timberlake's chest. A, a mm-hmm. meeting Timberlake's chest earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been talked about ad nauseum. Everybody knows the shot, but uh, I, I I had these notes though that that I wanted to point out that um, uh, people might not remember about the shot. Uh, first of all, Travis Ford played for Kentucky. That Travis Ford, he was on the team for Kentucky. He played seven minutes in this game. He was zero for two with one rebound. Um, so he almost had a seven trillion, which would have mm. been absolutely legendary. Also, I wanted to point out Bobby Hurley played all 45 minutes of this game. Mm. So that's cool. Bobby Bags uh played every single second of this game. Final score is like 103, 102. Uh just a great college basketball game and a great shot. And it was a full court. Like I, I don't know. And what a, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say Grant Hill's pass is the real yeah. winner here. I mean, obviously Christian Leitner had to make the little turnaround shot and like that little pivot move. I mean, now is kind of hilarious if you go back and look at it in history. It doesn't yeah, look as like, athletic as it as it did in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Grant Hill, that pass that he made, I mean, he should be he's probably the best quarterback in Duke history at this point. Um, yeah. that was a great ball. Also, shout out Thomas Hill crying uh on the bench. So Here's something I didn't realize. Thomas Hill, the, the, the shot, if, if you've seen the play and everyone's seen it a million times, it cuts to Thomas Hill, the Duke player, who's got like his hands on his head and he's, it looks mm-hmm. like he's crying. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on the court during the play. I thought he was on the bench. He was not. He was like actually a part of the play. He was, he was on the left side of the court running down the sideline and basically it was just like, like he knew he wasn't going to get the ball. So he was just kind of watching. And he ended up by the bench by the time the shot went in. So it cuts to him and it looks like he was just like a random dude on the bench, mm-hmm. like crying um also i was so confused when i was growing up because every time i saw that play i saw him crying mm-hmm. and i was like so did kentucky is that a kentucky guy is it a dude guy and it's so confusing because they're both blue and white colors and you see a guy crying and mm-hmm. i just got i just got all confused when i was little I, that's one memory i have is like thomas hill like broke my brain because i was like why is he crying they won the game and it just became very confusing for me but then as it turns out he was crying because he he, he actually wasn't crying he was just saying like I, I can't believe that this is happening. And this is yeah, where am I for this moment? Yeah. I will say that that shot and the Jeff Capel heave at half court were the two things in 1995. Those were the two shots that taught me about Duke propaganda in the media. One, because <laughs> Christian Leitner did that in the Elite Eight, not the National Championship game. For some reason, I felt like it was, or I was, I was, it was portrayed to be that way. And then Jeff Capel, the shot he hit at half court, they lost in overtime in that game. But if when Duke ever plays North Carolina, that's the shot that they show as if like he hit that shot and they beat North Carolina. Um, <laughs> That's just an aside, but uh, well, couldn't you argue that it's more about Kentucky and Carolina? Like the reason Leitner's shot is so big is because of a Kentucky bias in the media that it, mm. it took down Kentucky, and Kentucky fans are still bitter about it all these years later. I mean, we're mm. what twenty eight years later, and Kentucky fans are still still hate Christian Leitner just as much as they did in nineteen ninety two. Well, that's why they should like North Carolina because Chris Jenkins that replaced that moment. That is the yeah. now that is the shot for the twenty first century. There you go. Uh, I felt like those had to be the top two picks. So now the draft can really start because those, those are the two most legendary. Anytime you have shots that are just called the shot, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, that's kind of a no brainer. So uh, number one picture off the board. Yeah. Michael Jordan shot in 1982, but again, that's not a buzzer beater. Uh, he just not made the shot beater. to win the game, but uh, well, again, not a buzzer. Uh, beater. All right. So go ahead. Your, your number two pick. 
I think I'm going to shock you again here. Again, I did not want to do 20th century or try to avoid 20th century at best I can. Lorenzo Charles would have been on my list if I was doing like the full history, but I went with the ones that hit me deep, deep, deep in the soul, mm-hmm. deep in the heart. And uh, I was at this game, uh, Michael Wilbon status. Number two pick for me, Austin Rivers, Ooh. 2012. North Carolina up 13 points in this game late. Um, just the, the best team in the country, in my opinion. This is my, uh, my freshman year at North Carolina. Kendall Marshall, John Henson, Harrison Barnes, uh, Reggie Bullock. The stars aligned for a national championship. Austin Rivers was a freshman uh, at Duke. Doc Rivers, Cali Rivers in the crowd, in the Dean Dome. I'm sitting at the top of the Dean Dome in the student section with a bunch of North Carolina students. We're already celebrating with about three minutes to go. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a fun night. You know, we're going we're gonna to go out. We're going to have a great time. We're going to talk about Duke's dead. Um, Austin Rivers is terrible. Um, and somehow or another, Austin Rivers, you know, shoots 60% from three in that game. You know, six for ten. I'll never forget him making those six threes. All of them were ridiculous. And Tyler Zeller missed two big free throws down the stretch. And I love TZ. TZ's a great guy. But TZ is also um, the perfect scapegoat for this moment in time mm-hmm. because he misses, the, you know, big free throws late. And then when you come down, we all know it. We all see it. We're saying to ourselves, let Austin Rivers drive. Mm-hmm. You get switched out. We're Reggie Bullock on a screen, and they switch. Tyler Zeller's you know, standing there. He doesn't close out on Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers pulls up, hits the three. Most points by a Duke freshman against North Carolina at the time, 29 points. It was a record. Hits the game winning three, celebrates in the Dean Dome. Um, kind of sticks it to this North Carolina squad that, again, was you know, destined to win a championship, or at least they thought so at the time. Um, and it was honestly the most deflating feeling I've ever had in that building, right? I mean, just the, the, the fact that it was Austin Rivers, the fact that Doc Rivers was in the building celebrating, the fact that I mean, you could just see the, the Duke section celebrating. I mean, they were going crazy, and the rest of the building just fell silent. And uh, I don't know. It was one of those things where just to be a student at the time, but to also see – the, just the rivalry will always give you a show because Duke, in my it opinion, was not does. a great. It was not a great team that year. They had no business winning that game. North Carolina was up thirteen, like I said, with about three minutes to go, and the stars aligned. I mean, Wendell Moore this year, you know, hitting the butter or you know, hitting the buzzer beater this year against North Carolina probably could be up there. But these were two top teams, um, at least in the ACC at the time. And uh, Austin Rivers, like I said, I mean, that step back, he'll, that, that's in my mind will be his seminal moment in basketball. He'll always look at back, back of that shot and say. I did that in the Dean Dome. I'm a Duke guy. It made him a Duke guy forever. Yeah. And, it, it, uh, is there anything Austin Rivers can do for the rest of his career that will overshadow that shot? I don't no. think so. I, I think at this point it's locked in stone. Like even if he somehow becomes like the third best player on like a, a team that three peats, he's still going to be known as the guy <laughs> who hit that shot. hundred percent. hundred percent. Man, I've, so that, that you're just going to, I just went for it because those yeah, are the two those are the two biggest buzzer beaters in my opinion. Uh, I tried to, I was like thinking about this decade. I was like I'm gonna frame it this decade, yeah. and uh, those were the two that really just I will never forget where I was when it happened and the feeling afterwards, which is just just no hope is left. Was that was uh, that a true? You might have already said this, but I'm just like rethink. Was was that a true buzzer? Uh, uh, God, there's got to be a word for it. Where if he misses, they lose. It was right. Yeah, yeah. Like he they were down three. one. I think they were down one. I think they were down two, and I think they were down though. It wasn't a tie game. Yeah, and then Mm -hmm. he hit the three for the win. Yeah, that's oof. That's tough. Some small part of you has to like it though, because as you said, uh, it proves that the rivalry always delivers. That like some small part of you, a very tiny bit of you, has to love that like the the highlight reel, the the hype package for Duke Carolina 
has so many better plays than like Louis, if you're doing like Indiana, Purdue, or Louisville, Kentucky, and you're like, this Thursday, Louisville mm-hmm. versus Kentucky, and then they're showing mm-hmm. the clips, and it's basically just like Kentucky dunking all over Louisville a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's it. Uh, Wait, you're saying Louisville, Kentucky is not the greatest rivalry yeah. in college basketball? Is so that's that what I'm saying. saying. Some small party has to love that, like, the Duke, Carolina, the, the Austin River shot is just one of many clips that you can just keep throwing in there and just over and over. And yeah. I mean, the good news is that it will always remind people that Austin Rivers went to Duke. And I think if Coach K had his choice, uh, he would not have that be the case. I don't want to step on your toes with future picks, but. Did they did the Austin Rivers one hurt more than the the Trey Jones circus shots? The the I, never mind. I don't want. I, I have a feeling. Yes, one hundred percent. Because like I, like I said, this was a North Carolina team destined to play Kentucky and Anthony Davis. It was going to be John Henson versus Anthony Davis, the lanky battle of the century in the national championship game. Kendall Marshall's wrist gets broken. Uh, the rest is history. But that year, it was such a build-up to we're going to play That was Kentucky. a much better year, yeah. Yeah, Carolina had a better team, so that one made it hurt more. Carolina this year, we watched uh, that game, and, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Boy, it wasn't. That was what I the, – the game this year is when the tightest curse, like, it, it, it went from, like, a fun little bit I do to, like, oh, my God, I actually might – Yeah, no, you went from, like – you were like, it's over, it's all good, you guys are fine. And then when that happened, you are like – I was like, holy shit, like, I actually might believe. Yeah, like, I, I, I can't watch games with anybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is unbelievable. Uh, all right, my number two pick, the, I, I think I'm going to surprise you on this one too, but uh, it, I rewatched it yesterday, and I got so I got so excited. I just, like, wanted to get up and just start punching the mm. wall and just like, yes. Um, it is the 2010 Pac-10 at the time tournament title game. It is Isaiah Thomas versus Arizona. Ooh, it is – the last gasp, the last moment, uh, the last Gus Johnson moment on CBS Airways, we'll say. It's a, Gus Johnson, that season, this was his last season at CBS. He, he's, he's now our Fox colleague, as we know. Um, mm-hmm. That tournament, that NCAA tournament in 2010, uh, the games that Gus called, none of them like, gave us a Gus Johnson moment. So this ended up being like the last you know, CBS Gus Johnson moment. And oh my God, what a moment it is. This one is definitely elevated by the call. So like, cause Gus knew what was coming. Got like the, mm. the moment Isaiah Thomas gets the ball, he's screaming. He's at and the top. Isaiah. Isaiah. <laughs> and then the ball goes like, as soon as the shot goes off, he knows it's going in. It, it is unbelievable. Go rewatch it. If you haven't seen it in a while, it is, it is one of the best calls of all time. And that in my mind bumps it up a few notches because uh, it was still a good shot, but like the stakes, I mean, the game was tied. Uh, so if he misses, it goes to overtime. Uh, also, it's the Pac-10. Who gives a shit about that? Like <laughs> these two teams were not great in mm-hmm. terms. Of, it's not like it was a number three versus number seven type ranking situation. Um, so all of that, like this, probably shouldn't be my number two pick. But just because I love Gus so much, and just because this was like the last big Gus moment on CBS, uh, it, it elevates it to my number two pick. So that's what I. That's what I'm taking number two. I kind of love that too because like Isaiah Thomas is such a lovable character even at Washington you know what I mean he was just just like uh, he was just like a, a tough little nut is what Roy Williams would call him and yeah. uh, he just is not afraid of the moment of course and then Gus makes the moment even bigger and uh, I love that pick and that was the Derek Williams team right that ended up beating Duke in the tournament that they or was uh, that the year after it might have been the year was, after that was the year after that was yeah, 20, okay. 20 that was 2011 this was the 2010 um but yeah, it did for for all the jokes. Like it did win a t- trophy. Like they won a title because of that shot, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. Like it's 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 the Chris Jenkins shot, but at just a <laughs> much smaller scale, which is the uh, Pac-10 uh, tournament versus yeah, the yeah. national tournament. Yeah, but it's West uh, Coast basketball. It was like the shot 
the shot goes up and if it goes in we win we win the title and it went in and they won the title and uh yeah so for the, for that reason you know i don't i don't mean to downplay the stakes here it was it was important it was a big for, shot for what it was yeah but uh go rewatch it that's that's if if you take nothing else from this podcast go rewatch the Isaiah Thomas the, the Gus Johnson call for the Isaiah Thomas shot cuz it is awesome it is, yeah. it is one of my favorite calls in college basketball history. It's so good. And it makes it so this uh, this drafting is not so biased. So we got a West Coast team checked off. Yep. Uh, all our Pac-12. Oh, listeners. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this right now. I, I am trying to build the best team uh, possible. Like the best, the, a smorgasbord of great shots. I don't want mm. all the same shots. I'm trying to get different shots. So we have the, mm. the Isaiah Thomas ISO shot. We have the Leitner as a full court play. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get a nice little variety here. You're yeah, just going I, for like all the shots that were hit against Carolina. Yeah, I'm going for heartbreak. Uh, the, the things that really, really hurt me deep. Uh, I'll go into my number three pick because uh, okay. this, this is another good one. And I think this is my I, – I told you earlier, I have one uh, exception to the rule as far as buzzer beaters because this God goes damn it, into overtime. I know. I'm sorry to take it from you. But uh, Mavadi Diakite in the Elite oh. Eight against Purdue, against Carson Edwards, against the ghost of never making a Final Four for Purdue. Set up against Tony Bennett, a guy who was never going to reach the mountaintop, according to all the analysts in the world outside of uh, One Shining Podcast, who was, you know, spent the entire season talking about Virginia getting the redemption. But we won't, we won't harp on that too much. Diakite, when he hits the floater, it's a, it's a tip out. Uh, mm-hmm. Kihei Clark chases the ball down, 3.1, 2.9, you know, time is ticking. What are they going to do? He throws an amazing pass. I think the pass, yet again, like the Grant Hill pass, the pass is underrated that Kihei Clark throws to Diakite. Diakite in one swift motion goes straight up with the ball, floats it up. As time, time seems to stop at that moment, he hits it, it goes in. And it was such a big moment and such a big swing of events that uh, whoever was calling the game, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. Brian Anderson. Brian Anderson immediately yep. said – game yeah. Virginia they won yeah. the game and then he had a recant yeah. like two or three seconds later and just said wait a second yeah, that was a tie, tie. But yeah, it, yeah but it but it essentially did win the game right I mean that was the most deflating way for Purdue to go into overtime Virginia yeah every Purdue overtime. fan knew they lost exactly. <laughs> that moment that moment in time and I think like like the weight on both those programs to get to the final four the fact that Carson Edwards was unconscious in that entire game I mean one of the best performances I've ever seen in the tournament uh at least this decade and just to have the Virginia, the pre- we always joke about like these like turbs, but like the presence of mind, one, for Kihei Clark to be a freshman and to track that ball down and yeah. throw it up to Diakite and, and have that moment happen. There's some sort of destiny or fate that's involved here's, with that. Here's, because- here's a hot, here, I have a hot take. Go uh, for it. Kihei Clark was just lucky. Okay. <laughs> I mean, probably. But like- I'm, re- I'm rethinking this. Like, like, I think because it all worked out, you look back and you're like, the presence of mind of Kihei mm. Clark to know how much time was left and to – I think, again, I, I don't know how much I actually believe this, but, like, what if Kihei Clark just, like, kind of just panicked? Like, he just got the ball. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing this. Why am I shitting on <laughs> Why would I say this? Uh, but what if Kihei Clark just, like, looked up, didn't know what to do, just saw Diakite open and threw it to and wasn't really thinking at all? And there's a world where, like, and, and the, the horn goes off and everyone's like, what a, what a moron. Why would he not shoot the ball? Mm-hmm. And it just, like, happened to work out for him. Why would I say this? Never mind. Forget I said that. What's the point of me saying this? I just, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think most young players would have just pulled up, right? They just would have shot a stupid heat in a half court that had no shot. And I think maybe, like you said, it could have been a thing where he just didn't want to have the heat on that. So he deferred in the moment. It was just like, I'm not shooting this. Let me throw it up to this guy. 
but it worked out great. And I, I think, uh, obviously, a, we, we all remember that moment. For, great point. If that's anyone else on the court for Virginia, that shot's going up. If that oh, Kyle, Kyle Guy has the ball, that. he's shooting that. If, if Ty Jerome has the ball, he's shooting it. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Guy pulls a Gordon Hayward right there. And I think it probably hits the back of the backboard, hits the front of the rim, and rims out, you know. And I saw it's one of those what if yeah. moments. And then Purdue gets over the hump, they go to the Final Four, and it just. I don't know. The fact that we always think about Hunter and, you know, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, the fact that it was Kihei Clark and Diakite who made that play in that moment, yep. I think that also says something about that team. So that was. Uh, cool. Yeah, Kyle Guy would have had the Gordon Hayward, uh, the heartbreak. The, it almost goes down and he mm-hmm. sits. And then, and then he, I, I see, I picture Kyle, he misses, he, he's holding his follow through as the ball's going, it rims out. He falls down. He does like in Morrison where he's, he's not fully crying, but he's just face down on the court. He pulls his jersey over his head, and he just lays there. And then you got Carson Edwards comes over and taps him on the waist, and he's like, come on, buddy, get up. And, yeah. and there's like a show of sportsmanship, and then that's on one shiny moment. Uh, if it's Ty Jerome, he's making it. Yeah, Ty Jerome's <laughs> making it for sure. Yeah. Ty Jerome is – Tyrone is making it, and then he's just gonna have the coldest celebration ever, where he's just like, it's like a Kobe celebration, where he's like stone cold face, his teammates yeah. are hugging him, you know, but he's not even affected by it. He's like, that's just what I do. Yeah, <laughs> big time players make big plays. Tyrone was a hundred percent making that shot, and yeah, like it doesn't even. <laughs> I, I think Hunter's making that shot too for Hunter's some reason. I think both too. those guys. I don't mean to, Kyle, Kyle guy. We love you. You're a friend of the program, but like we all know that you weren't going to make it. It's not because you're not good. It's just because like no, it's 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 Indiana curse. It's, it's just destiny. Like moment. we just know. Like we could all picture. Yeah, it, I just closed my eyes and I like Kyle guy was clutch. I'm not saying he's not clutch. Like we saw him later in the we tournament. Saw the free throws. He was clutch. Yeah. 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 I'm just saying in that moment in time, the ball would not have gone in for him, and it would have been mm-hmm. devastating for Virginia. Uh, yeah, it, that, that's an all-time shot, obviously. Uh, and, and it's one of those ones, uh, again, this is obvious to point out, but um, if, if, if Diakide doesn't make that, Virginia doesn't win a national title. So, like, that adds to the stakes as well. It's not quite the Christian. It's because it doesn't happen in the national championship. But same sort of thing, that, like, if you have to make the shot or else you don't win a national championship it's – a, it's a shot that without it, history is completely rewritten. Purdue goes to the Final Four. Who knows what happens after that? Um, maybe Nojel Eastern stays at Purdue. <laughs> maybe maybe Matt Harm stays at Purdue. Who knows? Uh, maybe Purdue wins a national title. Maybe my dad is no longer with us because he – Yeah, he's like, I can't have this in my life. Yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah. Who knows what the butterfly effect is by Diakite and Kia Clark making this If happen. it was 2020, then it, Purdue would have won that game. And, uh, yeah, Bill Titus would have been like, I'm done with college basketball. He, he, he would have come on the show, the death of college basketball. Uh, Purdue never, won- forget, never forget that in 2020. This should have been the, the side that 2020 was off the rails was when Bob Knight came back to Indiana, which is something that no one ever thought would ever happen. And it took 20 years to get him to come back to Indiana. And he comes back for the Purdue game. And it's like the biggest moment on, on IU's campus in Assembly Hall since the Watford chat. And everyone's losing their minds. Oh, my God. Bob Knight is back. And then IU leads the biggest stinker maybe mm. against Purdue. They just get absolutely destroyed by Purdue. And, yeah. What? And everyone's like, that did not quite go. <laughs> that was not what we had planned. <laughs> that was, like, the first time we were, like, in the we – this is back in the time when we'd be at the Fox Sports studio. We were watching that game together. We were watching Mike yeah. Woodson and all those guys walk him out. Hey, do you, remember, do you remember where we were watching the – we were watching the Purdue-Virginia uh, game in 2019 together, right? Mm-hmm. We were at uh, it was Rocco's right in Culver City, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was weirdly like a a Purdue bar. Like I, I remember that 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 as the game is progressing and Carson Edwards is hitting the shot, you and I were looking at each other like this is insane what's happening, but we weren't really cheering. We were just like, holy no, shit! No, we're journalists. We weren't cheering. We were just sitting there, uh, but we were also looking at each other like I can't believe. Yeah, we were this like, is amazing. Let Virginia hold on here. But every time he was hitting a shot, the bar's going crazy, and then 
we look around and there's like 30 Purdue people in, the, in mm-hmm. this bar. And I was, it was very confusing. Who knew? Who knew there were so many Purdue people in Culver City, California? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. That's a great that, – that was what I was going to take number three. I, I just now realized in that moment that uh, I'm a moron for taking the Isaiah Thomas shot because you were never going to take that. And I could have – that's not how you draft. Like the point mm-hmm. of the draft is like <laughs> – mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah, could have traded, traded down and taken Isaiah Thomas. What was I yeah, thinking? Yeah, you just got Danny Ainged. <laughs> yeah, I just got Ainged. <laughs> shit uh all right so for my number three pick so Leitner all right I'm looking at my big board here uh I have I have a pick that's very similar to Leitner that I don't want like it it's what I would take but it, like the, the vibe of it feels similar to the Leitner shot I don't want that one uh I have a pick that's similar to the Isaiah Thomas shot god I don't want to do this but I think I have to <laughs> do it do it I think I have to do it uh I, I think I have to take Evan Turner against Michigan in 2010 just wow. for, for variety's sake, because it's uh, I have so the Leitner shot is the full court heave, like the 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 football play where you draw the play in the dirt. And you're like you're gonna throw it down here. You're gonna do the slowest. You're you're gonna pump fake over your right shoulder for some reason, and the guy's gonna bite because he's gonna think that you're gonna throw it over your right shoulder. Then you're gonna take a dribble and hit a fadeaway. Uh, the Isaiah Thomas falls into the uh, just ISO ball, big stones. Everybody clear out of the way. I'm gonna make this happen. Um, so I'm taking Evan Turner because that is like, uh, the heave. We, mm-hmm. I need a heave on my list. I need the, like just inside a half court heave. Uh, also I was on the team. So that helps a little bias there. I mean, <laughs> everyone knows my beef with Evan, but, uh, I was on the team. Which no, I was going to say, this is very big of you. I think if people yeah. see this list, they're going to think yeah, they'll be like, well, kidnap this us is... and made us yeah, make these mature. picks. Uh, I, I, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Between your list and me putting this on my list. Um, it was against Michigan too, which doesn't mean a lot to most of the, the country, but uh, Ohio state, Michigan basketball, isn't quite that big of a rivalry, but at the time, like Michigan was kind this was before uh, 2012, before mm-hmm. 26 uh, or 18, I'm sorry, uh, where, where John Beeline went to national title games, like, uh, or 2013. I'm so I'm throwing my dates around before 2013 when, when Michigan should have won the, the national yeah. title and, yep. and all that. So at this, at this point in time, Michigan's kind of on the come up. Uh, early at the start of my career at Ohio State, Tommy Amaker was the coach. He got fired in 2007 it, it, because he lost to Ohio State, honestly. Like, we, we went to Ann Arbor late in the season, and the vibe was like, if Tommy Amaker could beat this number one, I forget what we were ranked, number one, number two, whatever. But we were, we were really good, obviously. Uh, if Tommy Amaker can win this, maybe he keeps his job. We beat him, he gets fired. Beeline becomes the coach. So this is like his third year or whatever. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, not a huge basketball rivalry, but again, we were we were a very very good team. We ended up being a two seed in the 2010 tournament. Uh, if John Beeline can win this game, it's like the momentum away we go with Michigan, and Michigan is going to end up becoming the Michigan they were anyway. They didn't need to win this game, but that was the moment in time. So for Michigan fans, this was a huge like, oh my God, we're going to beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, I, if I remember right, the broadcast after Evan hits the shot, it cuts to. Uh, a bunch of Michigan students up in the upper deck of Conseco Fieldhouse, Banker's Life, whatever it's called back then. And they just look like it, it, it's a classic Michigan fan pose. They got their head, hands on their head, and they're just like, like what, what is happening? Happened? Yeah. Um, also, it fit, the, it fit the bill of if Evan misses, we lose the game. Um, I don't know. It, it, was, it, it obviously is very personal to me because uh, we were playing in Indianapolis. It was my senior year at Ohio State. We ended up winning the Big Ten tournament. So, like, if, if he doesn't hit that shot, we don't cut down some nets, and, and that was cool. So – uh, and, and I was on the bench for it. And my story, the story I have for this, uh, for, for two things, I'll, I'll get to the, the one thing I should say, and then I'll tell my story. Uh, I get asked all the time about what Thad Mata says 
Um, because after the shot goes in, if you watch the clip, Mata is – it looks like he's running over to the Michigan bench, and he's, like, really pissed off. And he looks angry, and he's, he's throwing his fist, and he's, he's yelling. Um, and everybody asks me all the time, what, what is Thad saying in this clip? And this is a true story. What Thad is saying, he's yelling at the replay guy. He's saying, count that motherfucker is what yeah. he's saying. Because <laughs> earlier in the game, there was a review or something uh, that went against us, and he was pissed off about it, or, or th- there was, like, some sort of discrepancy or whatever. So – the shot goes up. He knows that the refs are going to go take a look at whether he got the shot off or not. And so he, his immediate instinct, he was pissed off about that call earlier. So he's, go, he's yelling at the review guy. He said, count that motherfucker. And that's why he's throwing his fist and he looks all pissed off. So that's the story there. The other story I would tell, and I, I think I've told this before, I was on the bench. I, I had just had shoulder surgery, so I was in street clothes. Um, the shot goes in. Our bench runs off. the. Everyone runs off the bench and goes and celebrates. And I'm running off in street clothes with a, uh, a sling on my shoulder. And I'm, I'm waving my towel and going crazy. And everyone's dogpiling each other uh, to celebrate. But I had had shoulder surgery, so I didn't want to like, get it on the pile and mess up my shoulder even more. So I'm just kind of like running around and wanting to celebrate, but kind of staying out of the way. And a security guard lady runs up to me and starts yelling at me and tries to like push me off the floor because she thinks I'm just a random Ohio State fan that ran on the court. And it was in that moment in no, time when I – Yeah, no court storming, sir. Yeah, it was in that moment in time I realized that uh, this is – because at the time – like, this was my second year of doing the Club Trillion blog. Like, I kind of – I didn't have a big head about me, but, like, people knew who I was on the road. So I was like, yeah, you know. And, and our SID kept telling me that, like, Evan Turner and I were the only two people that people wanted to interview on the team. And so I was feeling pretty good about myself. And then to have a shot go in, and I'm trying to celebrate with my teammates, and a security guard's like, sir, please step away mm-hmm. from the court. I was like <laughs> – that's right. I'm a piece of shit, and I don't matter. <laughs> like, sir, what's going on here? I'm on the team. Thad, coach, so, coach. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll lock in Evan as my number three pick. That's very big of you. Uh, congrats yeah. to Evan Turner. He never thought that he would be on a list. Of Mark Titus's top five, uh, you know, buzzer beater moments. So that's uh, honestly, I'm proud of you. I'm proud. Yeah, of you. yeah. I didn't want to do it though, but I did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did it. It's All great. right, number four for you. Yeah, number four for me is, uh, again, there's a theme here. Like the first two, they broke my heart. This one warmed my heart. And this one happened where we were supposed to be. It was in, you know, 2017. Mm -hmm. It was in Memphis, the Memphis Regional. Lonzo Ball was in the building. The Kentucky Wildcats with Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo, all in the building. And Malik Monk had just, you know, earlier in that season in December at the CBS Classic had – just gone absolutely insane and uh, beat North Carolina basically single-handedly 103 to 100 hit a huge three at the end of that game and North Carolina was up late in this one we're going back and forth Malik Monk is again unconscious seems like he can make every shot he hits a three with 11 seconds left 73 73 Theo Pinson gets the inbound brings the ball up the floor it seems like we're destined for overtime Theo Pinson tosses it back to walk on and I say that with air quotes walk on Luke May who had 17 points in the game and before the game I mean all kudos to John Calipari said that's the guy we have to stop and I remember talking about that on our show yeah about we the fact that yeah. they were laughing at the fact that John Calipari was like we have to stop Luke May and I was like if that's really who they're worried about then I feel really good about this because Luke had killed them in that December game especially rebounding yeah. the ball yeah anyways Theo Pinson throws it back Luke May puts up the shot, hits the shot. Uh, There's a buzzer beater to the max. Uh, They're celebrating. They win. They go to the Final Four. They win the National Championship. Very similar to Diakite where, obviously, you know, the Elite Eight game kind of leads and catapults them to the title. You know, there's the big what if. You know, if that doesn't happen, Kentucky probably could have won the championship that year as well. But regardless, Luke May has this moment. will forever be remembered. People call it the shot also. Like, there was Jordan, Mm -hmm. then there was Luke. 
Um, and can, can I just, can I just stop you? Like a program can't have two of the shots. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You, you got to lock in. You, you got to have a vote, Carolina, figure it out. You, you can't. Michael you can't, Jordan. The answer yeah, it's is got to be Jordan. Yeah. You can't have two. When you say the shot, we have to be talking about one shot. You can't be which one of the shots. Luke, Luke Mays is a shot. <laughs> it's just a, yeah, he hit a shot, and it was uh, for Michael me, Jordan is the shot <laughs> for me in that moment. I remember sitting at home and like I'm knocking on wood three times every you know five or six seconds. You know I'm praying to God uh, and hoping that he's listening at that time. And I'm thinking to myself, we're gonna get the Malik Monk redo, and the December game is just you know it's a lesson in college basketball. You rather lose the regular season game. Yes, it hurts yeah. at the time. You're like, oh man, I really wish we could have won that game. But you're gonna get the rematch. You want it to happen. Um, it was kind of payback for 2012 because 2012 North Carolina lost in the last second. Uh, John Henson blocked against Anthony Davis in the regular season. They were supposed right. to play yeah. again. No, in that the was tournament. in a rough, right? Yeah, and that was they were supposed to meet again in the championship game. You know, but most people would say, and uh, and they never got that. So again, Kentucky they get the rematch in the tournament in the Elite Eight. Luke May hits the shot. John Calipari was right at the end of the day. That's who they needed to stop. And uh, North Carolina goes on to win a title. Cal in the postgame press conference was like, I tried to tell these. He was like, I, I literally told these I told kids. Him. I, told I told them. them they're, not, they're not my guys anymore until they're drafted in the lottery. That was um, when we got uh, De'Aaron Fox and uh, Bam Adebayo crying in the locker room, right? Like that was mm-hmm. the – Yeah. The, that was after that. And then both those guys turned out to be awesome, as it turns out. <laughs> it, well, and then, you know, Malik Monk, because of how well he played, Michael Jordan said – that's who we're drafting. And even, <laughs> yeah, yeah. even though he had already promised Donovan Mitchell that he was going to go to the Hornets and be Kimba's replacement and, uh, you know, be a Jordan brand guy, he was so convinced, you know, based uh, on those two games. The one thing I remember about the May shot is from watching it live, the w- one emotion I remember watching it live is that I didn't watch it live because I, I'll never forget being in my house in Ohio. Uh, I'm watching the whole game. Obviously, I'm locked in. It's a great game. And uh, the feed got cut. And I forget if it was because of weather, if like my satellite went out or if it's because like the CBS station in Columbus, just like, no, that's what it was. Did they cut in for weather? I feel like <laughs> this is a huge controversy because it wasn't just me. Cause I remember searching on Twitter and like everyone in Columbus was so pissed off that like there, there was like a tornado coming through Columbus and they they basically like cut into the stream and they're like, mm-hmm. all right, uh, so here's the update on the tornado. We're like, we don't give a shit about the tornado, buddy. Get back to the game. And they come back and they come back to the game and Carolina's just like celebrating. celebrating. I'm like, what the hell happened? And then so I had to I had to watch it after the fact. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. Uh, I'll never forget that I didn't watch it live. And I just, uh, my, my feed cuts off and it cuts back on and See, Carolina's celebrating. Th- this is the perfect example of the Titus curse. Like if you were watching that game <laughs> yeah. live, that's a no, miss. The shot doesn't go in. That's oh a miss. Thank you for the tornado. That was that was God. I was praying for that tornado to, to knock you out of the signal. Holy shit! Moment. What if what if you're right? That is the tightest <laughs> curse right there. Is that because uh, <laughs> I wasn't That's watching it. the shot went in? That's good. All right. So my number four pick. I got to think about this. Uh, I'm I'm getting down. I, I I can't I can't leave this off my big board. I wanted the variety, but screw it. I got to go for 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 star power. This is like I'm building a team, and I feel like I have a couple guys that play the same position. But you just got to put your best five out there and mm-hmm. and figure it out later right that's what we're gonna do uh so for my number four pick i'm going with bryce drew against old miss in 1998 um a play that will live forever in the state of indiana uh there are still high school basketball coaches running that play as their end of game miracle play they are still calling it pacer because that's what valparaiso called it in 1998 uh robbie hummel is still like if if, if robbie hummel was listening to this conversation right now 
he would be perking up in his seat as a Valpo kid. And it's like, like he came on our show and talked about like how much he loved Bryce Drew and like how, like, I feel, I really feel like Robbie Hummel, if he met Bryce Drew and he has before, but like meeting Bryce Drew is more starstruck than like meeting Michael Jordan. Because uh, again, this was 1998 at a time when this is, this is pre Butler. Uh, mm-hmm. when Butler became what Butler became. Uh, to, to the state of Indiana, it was basically like Indiana wins everything, IU. Purdue is pretty good in the Big Ten, but they never actually do anything in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and that's pretty much it. So this was, in my mind, this was like the first moment that like there's a world in the state of Indiana outside of the big boys. They're, the mid-majors in Indiana deserve love too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just an iconic shot, and they show it every NCAA tournament. The reason I didn't want to pick it is because it's very similar to the uh, Leitner shot. Like it's the, the full-court pass and then – it's just that the, the guy, whoever caught it on Valpo, he could have done the later move and shot it himself, but he passed it off to Bryce Drew with the, the runner three. But, um, yeah. It's it's, also, it's, it, like, gave us the Drew family. Like, the whole, in, yeah. in the lexicon of college basketball forever, you can always point to Homer. You can always, like, and, you know, kind of trace it back to that moment in time. And for that, for that reason, what you just said uh, makes it awesome, too, because it highlights why the NCAA tournament is so big. And so, like, one moment in time – can like can make you can make you forever Bryce Drew Bryce Drew will always be able to have a job in basketball not just because he was a great player and played in the NBA and all that but like honestly I swear to god he goes into like job interviews when he's trying to get coaching jobs he's just like I'm the guy who hit that shot and they're like that's right you're hired (laughs) uh yeah you're right the the Drew (laughs) it gave us the Drew family um and it's just one shot it's just Mm -hmm. because of one shot Mm -hmm. Scott Drew May or may not be a good coach. Yeah, I was going to say, we still don't have an answer on that, but we do know he comes from a good coaching family, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's a big part so, of this. But that's a great pick. And that's like yeah. you said, it's like the Indiana underground. It was also good for America to have a team like that where we could all pull for a small school in Indiana. Kind of like Hoosier. It's got a little Hoosier's vibe to the whole thing. And uh, Yeah, if you, know. you ask, if you ask people from Indiana what happened to Valpo after they hit that shit, it was a 13 versus 4 game. What happened? Did, did uh, they would tell you they went to the elite eight? They're like, yeah, that, that was they, they ended up going to like the elite eight, right? Did, did mm-hmm. they make the final four that year? The answer is no, but it doesn't matter because the shot was so awesome and so unexpected. And uh, yeah, great moment. It, and yeah, no, I was gonna say it's one of those things too, where like uh, in those times with the NCAA tournament, we show the highlight packages. No one knows the stakes usually, like like the later yeah, shot. No exactly, one really can exactly. remember the exact moment, but you just know like. Man, that was a huge show. And this was like pre uh, – these sorts of upsets didn't happen all the time in 1998. A four – like a 13 beating a four now. That was – 13-4 was like the uh, – was that the Buffalo over DeAndre Ayton? Was that, was that a 13-4 game? I think it was. Um, and Buffalo beat the shit out of them, dude. And, and I mean, so like what I'm saying is like we're kind of accustomed – like if that shot happens now, like the idea of a 13 beating a four now doesn't really – I mean, once we, – we, we've seen a 16 beat a one, so it doesn't really do much for us. But 1998, you're like, oh, my God, my. this tiny-ass school mm-hmm. just beat, the, beat Ole Miss, an SEC school? Holy mm-hmm. hell. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, right. it, it was just a different time. and It was a great moment. That's my number four pick. All right. Go ahead. Woo. All right. So my number five, I, uh, my final pick, I mean, I have like a list of, uh, of possible options. One of them that I, I was pretty set on picking going into this because it was the, I call this the death of Seth Greenberg um, at Virginia <laughs> Tech. And uh, that was going to be my pick. But I think that the, the one I have to choose was one that was just so hilarious in the moment because it was so ridiculous. And I still, I, I think people can't even, especially, well, we're just going to get into it. NC State. Uh, 2010 January. <laughs> I know which one this is. 
I mean, they're playing Florida. Sidney Lowe is coaching. They got Scott Wood, Javi Gonzalez, you know, like a, a team that NC State would, you know, kind of build upon and, and get a little, you know, a little bit of juice in the future in the next couple of years. But they're playing a young Florida team led by a young man by the name of Chandler Parsons. And they, they're at the free throw line. Farnold's at the, at the free throw line. He makes the first one. The second one, he kind of lackadaisically, you know, shoots it short. But again, they're up two, and there's like, you know, not much time on the clock. So it's not like any, Florida can't do anything. So he hits the front of the rim, bounces off. Chandler Parsons gets the rebound, takes one dribble. Farnold comes over and gives like kind of a half-hearted swipe, you know. Like there's no way this 75-footer is going to go in. Because again, we're NC State, we're up two. It's all good. We got the win. This man <laughs> shoots the ball up. And this is like, in, this is NC Stating to the max, right? Shoots this ball up, 75-footer, no way it goes in. And... Bang, it hits, uh, you know, RBC Center, now PNC Arena. <laughs> I mean, just completely people, they don't know what to do with themselves. Sidney Lowe is shook. Javi Gonzalez just sits there like, you know, like his world just got taken away from. Chandler Parsons is doing the dog pile on the ground. And this is like a pointless game, right? This is like yeah, s- yes. Sunday night basketball on Fox Sports Carolinas. And for some <laughs> reason, for some reason, I was watching that game live. Um, and like me, my mom, my dad, my brother, we're all watching this game live and we're, you know, we're obviously pulling for Florida to beat NC state, but you know, at at that time you're like, okay, NC state won, uh, you know, race to 69, let's get out of here. And the fact that Chandler Parsons, that was like what built him into the Chandler Parsons, the playboy that we know today. He made $200 million in the NBA because of that shot. (laughs) Exactly. No, seriously. I mean, a hundred percent. I think you talk about memories being last, like that shot one, it ended, it was the final nail in the coffin for Sidney Lowe. Really. It was also, uh, just like (laughs) The jumping off point for, you know, Chandler Parsons and his future budding career as being like a, a throwaway guy on, you know, random teams in the NBA. <laughs> um, but it was just, uh, I will never forget that shot because it was so unrealistic, but against NC State, it was so realistic. It was so realistic. That was the start yeah. of, some Some have said that was the start of NC State shit on, and then that was the start of Pac Pride. Like the the pack pride we all know and love. That was the start of full blown. That's when they fully I hate lost myself, it. Yeah, 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 but yeah, I also yeah. hate everyone. I hate everyone else. I hate Carolina. Mm-hmm. I hate Duke. I hate everybody. But I don't hate them as much as I hate myself as an NC State fan. That was the start of that. That is a hundred percent the truest <laughs> thing we've going, ever said on this program. Yeah, yeah, if you just go in blind and I tell you, say, if you wake up from a coma from the last twenty years, and I tell you there was a game where a team was down by two and they hit a seventy footer at the buzzer on the road to mm. beat another team and i'd say i had to ask you who was the who was the home team in this game you'd be like nc state that'd, that'd be your yeah. first pick yeah 100 percent. and it, it like i said i i rewatched the highlight right like as i'm going through like you know bronson Caden comes to mind you know in the sweet 16 there's like so many other moments christios yeah. like like that was like that should be it that should be, even like christios is a florida team you know it was like that could yeah. be the moment that i picked there but for whatever reason that chandler it was like a a seminal moment it was kind of like a changing of the guard of just like this nc state era is over and also we're going to get the chandler Parsons be careful era. calling it a seminal moment when you're talking about Florida. That's a that's gonna be upset about. Yeah, they're like, please don't ever say that please word don't again. Don't say that. Uh, <laughs> funny you bring up Chris Chiosa because I think I think I have to make that my number. I can I can I can walk through this now because you, all Ooh. your picks are off the table. So I'm gonna walk through this. So I want to pick Kimba uh, in the Big East quarterfinal against Pitt when he breaks Gary McGee's angles. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's I feel like one. I feel like it's too. It, it's such a good one that like Kimba every time Kimba makes a step back. <laughs> In the NBA, all these years later, it could be a regular season game. He he hits a step back shot, and they're like, just like the game against. Pitt. They're, they're like, that's Kimba. That's the, that's <laughs> that's the, the Kimba, Kimba Walker we know. Uh, I feel like Kimba should be on there. 
Uh, I also have Paul Jesperson versus Texas, the Northern Iowa guy. He hit the longest. One of the greatest shots. I mean, that that's in a Chandler Parsons vein, right? Yeah, I mean, it was. It's the longest. Uh, uh, it, it supplanted U.S. Reed from Arkansas, who who hit a shot in nineteen eighty one to beat Louisville. It it was a few feet longer than that for the longest shot made at the buzzer to win an NCAA tournament game. So the Northern Iowa in 2016, I want to put that one down. But again, I'm trying to get variety, and I feel like Leitner and Bryce Drew are already the same. Uh, the Jesperson shot is really similar to the Evan Turner shot, which I already mm-hmm. have on there. So I need some variety. Jesperson's a great Virginia transfer that people forget that he, he was yeah, out of there. So, yeah, yeah that's a... Um, I need some variety. And so my two choices I, I got to narrow down to are 1995 Tyus Edney going coast-to-coast against Missouri. That's, yeah. To win to to win a second round game to like think about like what would we think of UCLA's program if Ty Sedney doesn't make that shot and they haven't won a title since 1975. Not a blue blood. For Not sure. a blue blood. Ty Sedney saved the saved, blue. Blood. He saved them. They almost lost in the second round. So that like you think about it, the stakes as as time has passed, like that shot carries more and more weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but in a vacuum, I got to go Chris Chioza. I think I'm mm. going with Chris Chioza. I think lock me in because the absurdity of it. It fits the it, – I, I think it, it's an overtime game. It's the Sweet 16. It's in Madison Square Garden. Yep. It's a, a full court. It has the Tyus Edney feel where it's coast to coast, takes the ball out of bounds, just goes all the way himself. Uh, but instead of a layup, which like if, – if the Tyus Edney play happens, you know, with 16 minutes left in the second half, you don't really think anything of it. It's a guy who went coast to coast and made a layup. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Chris Chioza play happens at any time ever in basketball history, you're like, what the hell did I just watch? Mm-hmm. A guy shot a floater from the three-point line, and he could have caught the ball as it went through because his momentum carried him. It's the, one of the most absurd buzzer beaters we've ever seen in college basketball history. And it, it fit the bill of a uh, miss it and you lose, make it and you win. Mm-hmm. Um, Wisconsin fans, our, our, our buddy Dan, Big Cat, was, was mm-hmm. at the game, and, and there's video of him. like He's in the suite at Madison Square Garden and just like melts to the ground, collapses. Uh, because it's just like, how could this possibly, like, it, it, it defies logic how this could possibly happen that you could lose that way. Like, in your brain, if you're a Wisconsin fan, as the play's about to happen, you're like, all right, we could lose on a on a shot that looks like this. We could lose on a shot that looks like this. But you never pictured a full court or a, a, a coast-to-coast floater from the three-point line, nothing but net, in overtime, in the Sweet 16. After Zach Showalter had done the, I was going to say, project. yeah, that that was really the yeah. moment. I mean, Zach Showalter and like you know, we're we're fans of Zach Showalter on this program, but the fact that he did the Aaron Rodgers discount double check, the fact that Wisconsin was feeling really good about themselves yeah. in that very moment, and the fact that like you said, Chris Chioza basically got to play catch with himself. I mean, that floater, yeah. <laughs> like he literally ran underneath it. And uh, I mean, Ty Lawson had a shot like that against Florida State, like in two thousand nine. It was a three though, like he hit it from the three point line, and he landed underneath the basket because of the momentum and that was like the first time i saw something like that i was like man that's yeah. that's something yeah. and then when chioza did it uh it just took the air out of the building a little bit because like you said the wisconsin fans were already like big cats probably up there well, like, that's what we do the other thing this is this is in 2017 so in 2014 you have with like wisconsin felt like this was another arizona situation which they did yep. in 2014 to arizona they did it again to 2015 to arizona and they just felt like and and, and show it was just like the trickle down effect from that era of wisconsin basketball they're like this is what we do like in the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. we get to the Sweet 16, Elite Eight. Like we just – miracles happen, baby, and we're good. And Stro Walter mm-hmm. was feeling himself, rightfully so. It's a big shot that he hit. Big he's shot. Doing the, he's doing the discount double check. And so to have the gut punch of like, oh, my God, maybe we aren't – maybe the basketball gods don't love us mm-hmm. like we thought they did. 
Mm. Uh, was was, but yeah, just the shot in a vacuum. It's just absurd. Like you go back and rewatch it, and and if Chris Chioza takes that shot a hundred times, how many times does he make it? I don't really know, but uh, that's not something they practice. That's the other part. It's like a lot of these shots. It's like we we ran over that in practice. The later yeah, like shot, Chris Jenkins, like yeah. Chris Jenkins, and 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 obviously Bryce Drew. Like all these shots are like, yeah, this we we executed the play well. Mm-hmm. Florida did not have that play drawn up. They weren't like that's not something they practice. We're like, all right, everybody get in line. We're gonna shoot floaters from the three point line. And so, uh, so yeah, that's my number five pick. That's, that's a great a, top five. I think. Yeah. I think we. I think we, we did a pretty draft. good. Yeah, yeah we, we had a good draft. I which one? People... Which ones did we leave off that we should have? Uh, should have well, taken. Well, number one, um, and this is, uh, I feel bad for state fans. Number one, Lorenzo Charles, the dunk. I mean, obviously that's, that should be on our list. Uh, Jokic had a Lorenzo Charles moment the other night in the playoffs. So that was like a nice tip of the cap. I'm going to say this, Lorenzo Charles. I didn't put Lorenzo Charles on mine because uh, if you actually go back and rewatch, there was time left on the clock. Now they, Mm -hmm. they, they let the time run out and they, they gave it a, but if that, if that shot happens in 2020, they review it, they put a second and a half back on the clock. And Houston gets another shot. It, so it, it wasn't technically a buzzer beater, even though they just let the clock run and, and go out. And if there was a three-point line in that game, then State would have beat Houston by 40 points. Yeah. I mean, they, because they didn't go inside. Like, Sidney Lowe was pulling up from 25 feet and yeah. just wet in shots. And they were just <laughs> yeah. like, they're like, what do we do about this guy? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the other, like, misconstrued version. Like, the three-point line did not exist at that time. So, yep. uh, you know, just the fact that he heaved it from deep and it turned into a dunk, it was just a crazy moment. Uh, yep. Another one I have was Swaggy Pool, one of our favorites on our program. Great, great pick, yeah. That was we, a great uh, Yeah, I, I thought that he – I mean, he should be mentioned just because, like, that was a great Final Four run for Michigan. And, like, Houston was a really good team that year. And it, it was kind of like a, a second round you know i'll say it again a seminal moment you know for that program and john beeline now looking back and uh you know we love swaggy pool he's on the warriors now and they have they love him with the warriors and i think his career like christioza's and like a lot of these guys are talking about too have had great careers after the fact so mm-hmm. it wasn't like a fluke moment um and so we need to mention that one uh bronson Koenig i brought up 2016 wisconsin i think uh i i people might be surprised that i didn't have christian watford on my list um christian watt if we're doing the draft in 2013 we're doing the draft in 2014 christian watford's definitely on the list yeah but as more time goes by i think that shot gets worse <laughs> because it, as more time goes by it remains like the most iconic moment in indiana basketball since act you know it's like since the Watford shot and that's not a place you want to be you know what I mean like we're mm-hmm. eight years removed from it eight and a half years and it's still like yeah that, remember that, that shot that was one of those moments where you guys you guys celebrated too soon you know it was it was, it was a very Zach Showalter where you guys did the discount yeah. double check like we're back Indiana's back it and- was supposed to be the building block for like what was next in which case like if what came next was awesome then you look back on that shot and you're like that's what started it all was Christian mm-hmm. Watford mm-hmm. uh and then what happened next didn't quite live up to it so like I, I i'm not i can't in good conscience put christian watford on this but in a vacuum that was an amazing I, my dad and i were my dad and i went to the ohio state kansas game in lawrence we drove <laughs> over to lawrence uh for that game and then we were driving back to indiana it's like a nine hour it was, it's a ridiculous drive however far it is uh six six nine hours something like that um and we're on our way back and we're somewhere in like rural Missouri and we're, we're, I'm tracking the game on my phone. And I was like, dad, we should probably pull over. Like Indiana, Kentucky is still close. And there's like four minutes left. We should check <laughs> it out. So we pull over to this like truck stop looking, just dive of a shack on the side of the road. And uh, we get this like pulled pork, like we, we go into this bar and uh, they, 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 we felt bad. Cause like all we wanted to do was watch the game, but we felt like we should order food. So we just order like pulled pork 
sandwiches and the guy like basically microwaves pulled pork <laughs> and we're like hey can we throw the indiana kentucky game on the tv and he's like yeah that tv doesn't work the tv we we're looking at he's like that one doesn't work but we have this one behind the bar and it's just little like grainy tv from like <laughs> 1986 and he puts the game on and my dad and i are just like stopped in rural missouri and the shot goes in and my dad's losing his mind and then yeah he's so like this is indiana team. basketball i watched yeah. him a grainy little tv yeah, this yeah, is exactly yeah. what i wanted yeah so it was a like People have stories like that to where that shot should matter, but then as more time goes by, you're like, Ugh, is that it? Is that like yeah, and the second biggest moment is Romeo Langford committing to IU since then? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Oladipo playing there, I think, is they're holding on to that a little bit. Yeah. You know, Cody Zeller didn't quite work out as far as holding on to that. Uh, there's like some random ones that you may remember, like Michael Snare in 2012 against Duke, uh, just at oh, Cameron yeah. Indoor. I thought that was a big moment for Coach Ham. Uh, that was kind of like a confidence booster. In I'm Cameron. surprised you didn't have Stephen F. Austin from this year on it. I uh, I did I did originally and uh, I mean it's still on my list I just didn't draft it but I did I felt like that would be petty you know I, I was trying to be a bigger man at the top of the draft and I, I thought if I ended it with Stephen F Austin people would be like wow this guy can exactly. I go back and take out Bryce Drew and put in Stephen F Austin for variety's sake because yes. like yes please Duke turning the ball over and having a guy unimpeded like as soon as you get the ball he looks up and he's got a clear lane to the basket and there's nothing Duke can do. The whole thing was hilarious. The whole, the whole, the whole situation losing in that manner, where there's a scramble for the ball. They like for some reason nobody gets back on defense for Duke. What a hilarious way to lose the game into a team that you're favored by 29 points, and to have it happen to Duke. All in of it's Cameron so Indoor, I mean, in Cameron Indoor Stadium, it's all so it. so funny. It's the, I, I should have had that on my list. Yeah, I, I can I can I go back? I yeah, revise it, revise it. Take out. I'm, I'm revising. I'm taking Bre Stephen Bryce F. Through. Austin. Listen, I love you. Awesome shot, but it's just too similar to Leitner. I need more variety. I'm putting Stephen F. Austin making a layup at the buzzer in Cameron as a 29 point dog. Yeah, I'm putting Bang. Stephen F. Austin. That's my number four pick. All right, uh, that's good. That was a fun draft. That was mm -hmm. that was good. I think I think we did well with that. Um, shout outs, closeouts. Wrap this thing up. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I want to shout out Michael Jordan. Um, I am in North mm. Carolina currently. Michael Jordan is from North Carolina. He is the unlikeliest homeboy. That is his uh, moniker here. And the homeboy wants to make a NASCAR team. You know, I got family that, you know, grew up being bootleggers back in the day. And NASCAR is obviously a huge sport in North Carolina. And the fact that Diddy Hamlin and Michael Jordan and Bubba Wallace are all going to team up together, join NASCAR. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a good moment for NASCAR. Honestly, if you talked about sports that I would have said were like, on the verge of dying maybe 2015 you start talking about like golf yeah. and nascar and i feel like somehow in 2020 golf and nascar are on like an uptick yeah uh, they as are, far yeah. as interest and uh i i think that's very interesting and i just want to shout out michael jordan because uh yeah that's really cool. i've been more interested in nascar uh than i have been in a long time I, brad darty brad darty one of the greatest crossovers of all time man yeah. goes from number one pick in the basketball world to one of the greatest uh, nascar analysts out there am i gonna get back into nascar now that's a great so is jordan gonna just spot like that would be dope if they have no sponsors like there's the it's basically jordan is the only sponsor mm -hmm. like it's, it's a like jump man car it's just a jump man on his low he doesn't have like all the like little firestone and like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know just Jordan. It's just it's just Jordan. It's just and Lind and lendingtree.com, just like the Hornets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to shout out Bryson DeChambeau winning the US Open. Um, I I feel like I'm on an island. I don't completely hate this guy. I <laughs> I don't necessarily cheer for him, but like man, people hate him. And for good reason, like he is an oddball, obviously, but what a content machine Bryson DeChambeau is. Like, mm -hmm. I, if you can't acknowledge that, like, there's something wrong with you. Like, you, we need Bryson DeChambeau in golf. Um, and we, the fact we that he wins is awesome. 
Well, we did an episode about uh, MLB guys like Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and that era mm-hmm. and how much fun it was. And we we're like, just just go ahead and bring back that era of baseball. And by that era, I mean, you know, maybe PED era. Bryson yeah. DeChambeau, I feel like in 10 years, we're going to get that story because Wingfoot is the, the rough at Wingfoot is something else. It takes a lot of strength to get the ball out. And Jeff Ogilvy in 2006, for people that don't remember this, Phil Mickelson and Colin Montgomery were, you know, battling down there at the end. And everyone was like, it's definitely going to be one of these two guys. Colin Montgomery doubles and blows up at the end. Phil Mickelson hits a yeah. hospitality tent at the tee. And Jeff Ogilvy walks away and wins the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. And uh, somehow at plus five, and DeChambeau wins it under par. That's unheard of. Uh, yeah. I, 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 respect, I respect it, but I have my questions. I just want to point out, like, anyone that's complaining about him or hates him or whatever else, like, I, I'm going to defer to Vince McMahon, who has mastered the art of, uh, you're, you you got to build your heels, Tate. you got to mm-hmm. build up the heel. You're building up the superhero. And then WrestleMania comes along, and everyone loses their mind when the superhero pins the heel. That's what's mm-hmm. happening right now. Just get us to the Masters where everyone, this resentment, this hatred of Bryson DeChambeau is building. Then you have Tiger versus DeChambeau in the final group of the Masters mm-hmm. for the win. I mean, what could get better than that, right? Like, isn't that what we're, isn't that what we're all trending towards right now? I mean, my, yeah, I mean, that, that's what the people want. I think Kepka fighting uh, DeChambeau, like on the course at Augusta, like on number 12 or something yes. like that, like that would be good for everybody. Like a nice little, like, you we know, need, back we and need forth. Kepka to like throw out his back or something and he can't compete. And then it's Tiger versus DeChambeau and Kepka is just heckling DeChambeau from the gallery. Yeah. And, and then, and then somehow Dustin Johnson just wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody cares. And it's Matthew Wolf with his hitch in his swing. And you're like, what the hell? That's a letdown. Um, what else is there? What else is there? Oh, I saw. Uh, oh, Rick Pitino was at the USA. He's got a house on the the third hole of the US. Uh, of yeah, Wingfoot. Wing foot. So congratulations to Rick. It seems like Rick Pitino is going to stay at Iona for a while. He's got a house mm-hmm. there up there. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess he's in it for the long haul. So that's cool. Um, I wanted to wish a happy 67th birthday yesterday to Bob Huggins. I yep. had that on my list of shout outs. Love that. And then finally, I saw that uh, Louisville has responded to the notice of allegations. Today. I don't know if you saw that this week. Louisville's responded to notice of allegations. My reaction when I saw this news is, what? Is there another like what's going? I thought we were done with this. What's going on? What's going Investigations on? Investigations never stop, uh, and and that's the hard part because the NCAA cloud uh, it just hangs and it hangs and it lingers and it hangs, and every single school is going to use it against you. And that's like it, people always talk about the sanctions. It's not about the sanctions. It's about the fact that every other coach can say, "Did you just see that? They had to respond to the violations. Yeah. You don't want to go yeah, there. They're right. going to get the death penalty." I feel like I got in a time machine. I saw that headline. I'm like, "What the? Is it 2015 again? Like, what is going on right now?" Uh, Rick Pitino read that at the wing foot at his hole, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, this is great. This is so good. Uh, anything else? Is that it? I think uh, one last thing I just want to shout out Asheville, North Carolina again. I, I think we we want to reiterate the fact that we are very excited to uh, to be yeah, we are. ambassadors yeah. and to be in Asheville. And I'm telling you, we're going to have a great time, Titus. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with, Tate. And so, Asheville, I love great you. Great life lesson. Uh, I'm excited to to be in you. <laughs> um, and or around you yeah yeah that's gonna be fun we're gonna have a good time college basketball is coming back uh thank you for listening that's the show i am officially on cameo book me on cameo we're trying to raise money for the club trillion foundation scholarship uh saying those words are absolutely absurd um that i'm on cameo so uh, i just wanted to say that again because it's pretty stupid that i'm on cameo so if you want me to wish i love it birthday to your 30, $34, $34, $34, that's $34 nothing. $34 is nothing. It's nothing. Uh, money goes to the scholarship. We're giving kids scholarships. It's, it's going to further your education. And uh, I don't know if I said this in the last show, but Moses is a part of it too. Moses yes. is officially 
Um, so you can book Moses. I had one person I, I saw today. I, I, I basically, I'm just going to go make cameos the rest of the day. <laughs> I saw one, one person wants Moses to pick where she's going to college for her. So uh, I, I wonder if that's legally binding. I'm going to lay out some treats and Moses is going to pick where you're going to college. But yeah, you can book Moses. Moses will do tricks. Moses will make decisions. Moses will, you know, should I divorce my wife or not? We'll put two treats out and Moses is like that. I love it. What's the highest stakes decision Moses could possibly make? Let's do it. I mean, let's, let's get this content out there. That's all I care about. Uh, all right. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you.